welcome to the GCW Plants Podcast, episode 65. John, how are you recovering from LA weekend? <laughs> uh, how are you doing, sir? How are you doing, B? Uh, I recovered pretty fast uh, after this trip, faster than normal, but uh, doing all right on this Wednesday night. Can't yeah, man. Um, we went out there and everything was good. LA traffic was especially crazy. Um, Friday or Saturday night. I'm sorry, the night of the show. I don't know. Did you notice too? It was like, uh, getting there at Saturday night. No, but getting there like during the day. I know, like we both ran into the the accident or whatever was going on on the way to LA. You went the way that's still the same way. I went the opposite way and it still took just <laughs> as long. So it didn't really uh help out. But actually, other than that, I didn't feel like the LA traffic was too crazy getting there. To be honest with you, maybe because I'm used to worse. There was like one time we said like maybe five miles away, but it took like 45 minutes to get there because of traffic. So wow. maybe after that one being the worst one, anything else other than that has been a uh, pretty easy. So I can't really, I don't have anything too much to complain about that. Yeah. I, maybe we came in during rush hour, which probably didn't help that too. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but when we were getting a hold of you, I think we got in at like five thirty, six, yep. like something like that. So shit was just crazy when we were getting in and um, yeah, we're so happy. We just got to our uh, hotel safely. By the time we got unpacked, it was pretty much time to turn around and get back in the car and head over to the UCC. Um, I was really happy with our hotel. Funny story. We ended up at the same hotel because, um, yeah, I we stayed at a different one last time. And this one, we're like, OK, we got to try something different. We were not happy. Both of us were like, I think we found a nine out of ten. Yeah. And your wife said the same thing. We got a nine out of ten here. And we both said uh, the tra the the parking's a little weird. And yeah, we saw that too. Parking's a little fucking weird. Um, the second day, though, like we hit the beach out at Santa Monica. We uh, we went right to where the pier is. And then I took a right up north. And if anybody ever wants to go and like go where there's not a lot of people, we're like, all you hear is beach and, you know, all you hear is beach. But all you hear is the ocean and seagulls and barely any people. Like, I know some places to go. I would definitely tell you where there's some cool places to go where we just laid out there. Like, at most, we'll put our, you know, our up to our knees. It's too damn cold. <laughs> but, yeah, we took in a couple hours there. And then I hit that five and a half hour drive back, which it was worth the extra uh, extra 45 minutes out there and extra 45 back for sure. Yeah. I think um, right after the, wow, we woke up Sunday, we just got up and left. Like we just wanted to come back home and rest and relax at home. Yeah, no, I, I get that totally. Like you're on a mission, you get up, you're trying to hit the road. Usually, you know, in California, the road doesn't even get really too busy until the afternoon, really. So yeah. if you're on the road on Sunday morning between, you know, 6 a.m. and, 10 a.m., 11 a.m., you're really not going to get too much resistance from the traffic out there. Yeah, that was that was our main goal, kind of uh, getting out before the traffic gets crazy. So, yeah, I couldn't wait to get to the UCC, and parking was still very easy. I have to say, like, we didn't get there. I mean, you got there maybe a minute or so after us, right? Yeah. Yeah, and we weren't the first ones to get there by any means. They already had the doors open, I think, when we were parking, right? Yeah, I got there like yeah. we got there like a uh, half an hour before the show started, which is not normal. Normally, normally we're there like when the first doors open for the Patreon line, but like I needed yeah. an extra thirty minutes of sleep from the drive to there, so I, we stayed in the hotel till like about an hour before the show started. Like, all right, now we could go. Well, four and a half hour drive is brutal, but an extra 45 minutes on that top, top of that yeah. for bumper to bumper on a major highway was just, um, 
yeah, we're starting to learn now. That's the way to go. So maybe we'll start to coordinate and see what, you know, like what level we end up on or something. Cause you can kind of pick your rooms every now and then they give you a prompt to pick your rooms. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's something we'll talk about that's <laughs> non-wrestling related. Um, Security was placed by the alley, which actually made that little trip around the building to the front of the UCC safer. I actually like that, and I would hope to kind of see that more often because I know one was basically placed by the alley, but hopefully if shit goes down, at least there's security nearby to see it. And um, I do like that because it's just a little weird when you're getting out of there at 11.15, 11.20 at night, and you have to go around that corner and then over to the to the parking garage and yeah it's generally pretty safe but even me i i just want a little extra safety for my family that's <laughs> how that's how dad's thing so uh yeah we get up to the place good old doo-doo was outside he made sure everyone quickly got in the building um and we did again nice seeing him got a big old hug absolutely cool dude the place was completely packed to capacity there were people everywhere it was a beautiful night it was a touch warm in the building. It always has that beautiful golden yellow glow that works so well with the uh, dark blue that's in the atmosphere there. But people were having fun. A few wrestlers were out selling merch early. But the uh, it was just busy, man. Getting something to drink, getting something to eat, find my seat. Dude, people were coming up to me instead of me coming up to them. Like, it was cool to talk to Emil. Like, Emil comes up to me. Adam Galt came up to me. Um, somebody else. It's really cool when they know, like, they see you and go, hey, what's up, dude? Instead of you going and finding someone, be like, hey, how you doing? Yeah. Um, yeah, just doing good things like we're doing here. I mean, people appreciate it. And so, yeah, this was the first time I haven't found a listener discover me. Because usually it's like listeners going, hey, dude, you, I know, <laughs> I know, where are you? Yeah, that's us. So, um. I had a really good time at this one and yeah, it was warm. I mean, I wanted to reiterate that again. It was, it was warm on the floor, baby. We were packed in and having a great ass time. Um, how did it sound up there with you? I mean, it's pretty loud. Oh, it was loud. Yeah, it was loud. Um, it was cool though. Being able to see like how packed it was. It what it did feel like one of the nights of the collective, like kind of maybe not Joey Janelle spring break. I think that was the most packed I've ever seen that place, but uh it was really packed for a normal show and um i i still like i do like those seats up there like especially when we bring our son because it's like right mm -hmm. over like you can see perfect view of everything that happens in the ring so um once again i i was happy with our seats and yeah same way getting in um security out or the guy the ticket holder out there uh remembered us and said what's up and like i don't even have to pull out my patreon or tickets no more he's just like how many right. tickets did you guys get and we're like three and boom got it go because he puts all the seats so uh yeah i liked it all beforehand too like uh we didn't show up early enough to go look at a bunch of merch but there wasn't any really new merch out there anyway so we kind of just pretty much headed up to our seat and right before the show started and get settled in that was that was interesting there really wasn't a lot of wrestlers merch out there and um that's a big thing to me because i'm a buyer yeah, like that's it. Like, <laughs> uh, but the one person I'm kind of I was looking forward to hopefully buying some merch uh, this time was Alec Price. Like, I still haven't been able to buy any of his. Uh, my wife said like if he ever and we don't know we got to find it. I, I actually should reach out to him because we would buy two instantly. The hockey jerseys if he has any kind of like in the ducks colors. 
Those like things how we do stick. like the Northeast Beast ones. Yeah, those were pretty bad. So um, that's one person I do want to get merch from still. Like I like just buying a bunch of merch from everybody, not just the same old wrestler. Even though we'll buy Jordan stuff, everything. Um, but I do like picking up stuff from like other wrestlers I don't have stuff for just because I, I want to buy some stuff. Like last time I was able to get Leo Rush for myself, which was awesome. Finally, yeah, uh, the last cool. time we all went. And this time, like I said, I had my hearts, my heart and eyes on uh, Alec Price, but he didn't have anything. And but it's fine. There was like there, uh, what Rena actually had some merch too, which I thought was cool because I haven't seen really any Rena's merch. Um, Maki Ito and MDK had all their stuff as normal. Effie and all them on their side table too. So there was a bunch of other merch out there, but uh, new actual GCW merch, not too much. And not, as you said, there wasn't a lot of wrestlers out there, just a couple. But I remember my first couple UCC shows, the whole ring. You'd have like Ninja Mac, Tony, everybody would be on the ringside. Yes. Until like 15, like five minutes before the show, Emil's like, hey, he hops in the ring and like everybody knows that's time to go and he's getting the crowd ready for the show to go live. So I do kind of miss seeing a little bit more options for the merch uh, before the show. Well, I know that Cardona said that, I mean, he said that you can't be doing something so important on. Unless you're doing something really important, he said you should get out there before and after the show, meet people, make money, solidify fans as longtime fans. I agree with that. And um, that's how you make favorites. Yeah. Like after the show, yeah. I, saw, uh, I got to see uh, like Starboy had uh, merch out by the ring that I never saw. I don't I think I've ever seen Starboy ever have merch. So that was the first time. Um, Jack Hartwell was up by the entrances and he had some too. Um, Kenny King, yeah, Kenny King's like not even a GCW wrestler, and he had his merch after the show right by yeah. the ring as well. Zach Saber Jr. and stuff too. So, uh, yeah, it, it was nice to see the at least afterwards we had some time. Uh, they didn't push us out after the show to kind of look around, and there were more options I think after the show than before the show. Um, something I'm gonna mention here: the buckets of beer. I know they can turn into something bad, but I do think they are kind of a cool idea because it's really holding down on the people traffic. Even in the front row, we did not have a lot of people walking in front of us last night at all. And every now and then you're going to get it. You know what I mean? Oh, people yeah. Kind of walk along. We no, were that person. Not really. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, the other thing was last time, not this time, but the last time there were employees picking up trash as the show goes on and seeing if anybody needs to throw anything away. Again, that was very, very helpful. These small things matter. And I like that they do them here at the UCC. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Last time I noticed too, like the employee walking around with the trash can and like saving all of us a trip and stuff like that. I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, you know, saving all of us a trip, literally. Yeah. You know, all the liquids on the ground and everything. I mean, it can happen. Yep. Um, the show was lean on time. I don't know if you noticed that, but it wasn't the usual three, you know, give or take 10 minutes kind of thing. I've been there it's, for four uh, hour shows. Dude, that, that would have <laughs> been fantastic. That's but, what we remember. Um, we had, uh, a touch under two and a half hours. Yep. We were missing a scramble. Isn't that kind of interesting? I think we were missing a lot of stuff from a typical UCC center. I saw like later on, it's a kind of in your notes, but there was quite a few that kind of made the show feel a little different, but the action delivered for the GCW show too. But yeah, there, it did feel like, like the scrambles missing and like, I know you got a, like lot, a lot of, of regulars the, yeah. were just out. Yep. The big names, uh, the death matches obviously don't really get too crazy in UCC, but that's kind of it wasn't there from GCW. And if to make up for not having death matches, they usually have a crazy lucha six man match or some lucha stuff. And we didn't have that either since 
Ringoloka was also uh, not in town for the show, and some of the other wrestlers that they had um, booked in another company that night. But yeah, I think there was a couple things that made it feel a little bit off just going into the show. But as the show was happening and going, I, it felt like a normal GCW show as the night went along. Yeah, that was it. Was really interesting. We had a lot of really, um, really nice talents on this show. You know, you have Zack Saber in there. That that alone. Okay, Zack Saber, Nick Gage. I I didn't even know how to formulate that in my head. I had no idea. I'm like, okay, this is going to be a Zack Saber match, and that means Nick Gage is going to be working, working, and uh, I don't know how far that'll go. I know he can do it. Like I said, we've seen him with Leo Rush. Yeah, it can still go. It's just how entertaining will that be to see? You know, you know, hip toss, hip toss. You know, DDT. But um, the other side was okay. This is just going to go nuts, and it's going to be some kind of blend between the two. And it, it was a fantastic blend between the two. And some of the spots that Saber took in that match were unexpected uh, by my standards. It was more than I expected. What do you think? More than oh, you expected? Way more, and I. Same thing as we get to the Maki match too. Like she took some stuff there. And I was like, what the yes. hell? Like, yeah, it was, it was interesting seeing like Maki and, uh, uh, Zack Sabre kind of go out of their normal elements and kind of, uh, get a little extreme and ultra violence for the sake of GCW fans. But they did an awesome job with it too. So in my notes here, I put that it's a highly participatory crowd. Fans were rowdy and loud everyone was having fun there were a few morons mixed in that's that's life but we will talk a little bit about that maybe more later when the time comes uh again i will say it because i know the gpw crowd uh the gpw crew are fucking awesome i go to these live events i watch it later it does not feel like it has the same energy and i i know maybe i'm a nitpicker whatever but um when I go and then when I turn around and watch it on TV, it's like I'm not hearing the same energy. I'm not seeing the same energy. And that does translate to new viewers. And that does translate to current viewers. And that's why the show is just so much better when the fans are hype. So if you can pull any type of crowd you can or any type of sound you can from this crowd, that's fantastic. And LA gave um, the GPW crew a ton of sound to work with. And yeah, without repeating myself, it just, it just didn't show up on the recording. And I hope at some point they figure out possibly how to mic up a little better so that it can capture that excitement so that it can be part of the GCW library so that a lot of this old stuff can look just as good as all the other stuff with that much excitement. Yeah, I, I, when I went back and watched it on Monday night, it was uh, not, or no, Sunday night, I think it was, it was not as loud as, uh, as it felt <laughs> there, that's for sure. Like, and I, it was actually really loud crowd too. It was collective level uh -huh. crowd, like uh, how loud they were. It was collective level. Like, I'm glad though, because like, I think this was the first time they've had, yeah, this is the first shows they've had there since the UCC Center. So I was kind of wondering how it would translate and me going to my first collective, seeing how, to cut how to compare it to a normal show and how that weekend felt. Um, I would say like at the collective, this was way more louder than the other shows I went previously before the collective. But this first show post collective was just as loud as the collective. That's a good sign that the, the in person, it was super, super loud at the UCC, but I feel the same way when I watched it, I was like, man, they kind of didn't catch a lot of like how loud it was and stuff like that. I, I, 
I don't really look at it too much, but it was noticeable seeing how it was in person compared to watching it back. And I just want to mention it because I've seen since I started watching that excitement level of the live show still hasn't been captured yet. I don't know how long it'll take or, you know, what it may take. I don't know if it's just a small microphone that's placed in one of the ring posts just enough to where it's sticking out. And you tell your performers, hey, don't touch that fucking ring post, you know, something. But we have to capture that because that's part of history. Also, the GCW history will be the fans. That's why performers want to show up at GCW and do the job. It, yeah, the fans, they they have people here that adore them. So, yeah, let's let's catch as much as we can of that, because sometimes I watch these and you know, it made our Vegas show at times sound not very loud at all. And uh, G- on um, on Twitter, Brett Lauderdale said that this last Las Vegas or Los Angeles show was like in the top three loudest or something in L.A. Or I think I, I think he said L.A., but then it said like maybe ever. I think is how yeah it went to. But I like I said, I, Collective was the loudest I've heard it. This was up there with this, so I I would kind of agree. Like I didn't like my first. LA show and then ever since then I pretty much went to every single one except one or two was um Suzuki versus Nick Gage. And like ever since mm. all the shows that I went to in LA from that show till now, I would put that up there with like being as loud. Like I said, Collective is up there with one, two, three, like Joey Janela Spring Break and Bloodsport specifically, but I would put that right below those because they were louder than this night than they were uh previous nights. And a little unexpected, but kind of expected. Santana Jackson's pop. I was huge. I think that was the pop of the night. That was the, the, the note I had. Like, I was like, holy <laughs> shit. Like, I missed like the whole match. I had to take my son to restroom at that match, but I was out there for the yeah. entrances. And wow, yeah, that Santana Jackson pop. I, I was I wasn't take I was taken aback by it, but I, I don't know. It's just weird. Like, I know he's fun and good, but like I don't think I've ever really seen him on GCW. That might have been like the first GCW show that he's actually done. And that pop was insane for a GCW crowd. Like, yeah, it was crazy. Like, it was louder than Zack Sabre. Like, it was it was nuts. I did. I was caught off guard, like, in a good way. I was like, holy shit. Like, good for him, though. And the match, too, yeah. the crowd was pretty hot from what I heard, standing up standing up by the bathrooms. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was insane. Um, I was, yeah, I mean, I was into it, but I was like, fuck, this is something else. Um, I'll put him in one of those categories that what he does is so unique that if you see him do it every show, it won't be so fun anymore. So having him in small doses is the best way to go. And, you know, and asking for a good pay to do it. Yeah. Obvious sense, because boy, was the crowd happy for that. Yeah. Let's just say everybody threw five dollars and it had to see that they would have been pretty happy to see that portion of the show for five bucks. Yeah, it was that was a loud pop. Like that was kind of surprising too. Like <laughs> Jimmy Lloyd's was pretty loud, but then it just went to a whole new level with Santana Jackson. I think it was like once they came out, like they realized it was Michael Jackson. I don't know. I don't know how familiar the LA crowd was with him. Like we see him a little bit more out here more often than maybe LA yeah. does. But yeah, and maybe they were just like, "Holy shit, look at this Michael Jackson!" Like, I don't know how many time how many people it was their <laughs> first time seeing him. To me, it felt like a lot. But here, even like walking, walking. Uh, past the people to go to the bathrooms and hearing like all the chatter. It's like, yeah, look, he's just like Michael Jackson. And like, he's got the shoes, uh-huh. he's got the hat. Yes. And then like during the match, I heard like, E-hee. and then like, he did that. That's what Michael, J-. I was like, that's his character. Yes, that's him. But I had a smile on my face seeing all the people uh, kind of yeah. coming to terms and finding out about Santana Jackson was cool to see. You know, and Santana's cool as fuck. He is a Vegas local 
and he performs at I don't want to say Bally's. I cannot honestly remember. I was thinking like the Trop or Flamingo or something like that. Yeah, very possible. Um, He's very talented. Yeah, he has a show on the strip that he does all the time. He um, does wrestling on the side kind of thing. He's also a security guy. He knows his shit. But the first time I ever met him, I went up to him and I said, listen, um, given all the stuff with Jackson and all the craziness, I'm I grew up on Michael Jackson and so did a lot of people my age. And I think it's really cool that you're doing this because he did make a lot of good music outside of all the craziness. And he said, I just want people to love and discover Michael's music. I was like, wow, that's he had no other anything. His pure intention was to get other people to go, who is that guy? What's that guy about? Or hell, hey, that's a good song. And that's basically what his general message was when I talked to him. Huh. I mean, I know he's gotten viral a couple different times, like on Sports Center and stuff like that for moves, which is pretty weird to see like a wrestler go viral <laughs> multiple times. Like that's just something that's multiple times. It's the same like gimmick, same wrestler, but to have happened over the years a couple different times, I think it's pretty cool that not a lot of people could say. Oh my gosh. Yeah, there was so much going on. Um oh. I got something here for you. I was going to kind of mention for everyone. And I think this is something cool for fans that are, well, we're, we're deep dive fans and, you know, but I talked to my wife who she goes to these shows with us, but she doesn't really watch much of it on TV, you know? So she's kind of casual. She, you know, it's like, she doesn't really, maybe let's just say for instance, like basketball, but if you can get a chance to go see it live, you're in, you know, yeah, same kind of thing. So I asked her, I said, you know, how much did you like the overall everything, the presentation, the wrestling, you know, getting in, getting out, um, the building, the whole nine. And this is her fourth show with GCW, I believe that two, three. Yeah, I think four. So. I said, listen, um, how happy are you all are with the pro, you know, how happy are you with the product? What percentage 75, 25, 80, 20, you know, she said 90, 10, she's 90% happy with it. She's very happy with everything. And what she is happy with, she absolutely loved. That's cool. And there was an additional 10% of, you know, what I actually wrote down what she said. So some of this I agree with and I'll kind of go through what I agree with and don't and others I will disagree with and so on and so forth. So. Her thoughts were um, Nick Gage's entrance. Fans were kind of bombarding Nick at a point where they follow him around the ring. She was saying that people should stay in their section. And she noticed that the problem is venue specific because she noticed this problem didn't happen in Vegas. She said that in Vegas, Gage felt a little more personal because he came up to each person and kind of was a little more, just a little more personal. So, that's what she said. Again, that's her opinion. Um, my opinion on that is from the beginning, this show's gauge entrance was so much better done by security than any other gauge entrance that I've seen at the LA UCC. Um, there was security around him and with him and he would go around and so on and so forth, but it wasn't like a swarm of people, you know, running around the ring. And if anything, it was just security. And I thought that was cool. Okay. Okay. Go ahead and say it. I no. I, wait, I know you're waiting to say something. I, I see it. I see the glimmer in your eyes. I eye. just see, I just saw like, you know, after Zack Sabre came out, uh, like everyone just anticipated Nick Gage. Like, you know, the, the 
you can feel it in the air like hey gage about to come out it's gonna mm-hmm. get crazy i just saw two of the security people's faces that were like right there when after zach saber kind of finished and like they heard the first gong and you just see these the the people's the two security guards face like kind of just like all right here we go like this is going to be like the worst fucking yeah. part of our night <laughs> but it's like the seeing their face is kind of like kind of psyching themselves out but psyching themselves up for the moment was pretty funny because it's like oh shit here we go <laughs> yeah I've, yeah my answer in a perfect world and and again this is kind of have him go all the way around in ga and once he gets back around and does a full circle, have him come into the front row where it's around the ring and go around the front ring once then go into the ring and do your thing. Then kind of everybody's happy and there's no push and there's no anything. All that pushing and all that shit happened in GA. I don't yeah, know. it's just it's an idea. I mean, I will say, though, yeah, they they handled it in such a way that, you know, it was really well done. I wanted to make sure I mentioned that because I see what my wife is saying, but at the same time, I asked my son about opinions and he disagreed. And he's like, that's the point of the Nick Gage entrance is to have the crowding. And I agree with that also. Yeah. So I've got kind of like the know? same thing. Like we kind of know yeah, that's yeah. like, that's the one thing like that's going to happen and just got to be expected and just be ready for anything. Like it caught me off guard of the FSW. Like at least I was hoping like be ready for it i just heard the the dog and he already <laughs> ran out and like i couldn't even be, get ready to like protect my son o- over fsw but he would just ran right by him but it does become like <laughs> a thing when like once you hear that first gong you just like i said do you feel the energy just change in the room like shit's about oh, to yeah. happen like for a good thing they're they're there to see their king and stuff and it's going to get rowdy but i i know we're going to probably talk about like the people that follow him all over the place and literally to go around the entire ring i even told my wife like it's like watch this guy's gonna follow him around the ring and sure shit that guy followed him <gasps> literally the entire time around the ring and then they tried telling that person like to go back to your seat on the other side of the fucking ucc center pretty much it's like yeah like he's like well i'm over here the referee's like yeah yeah i know get over here kind of thing but uh yeah they do get crazy some some still need babysat that's okay but i mean if if <laughs> If that guy snatched something off of one of the lady performers, it'd be a much bigger deal. Yeah. Uh, just a thought. Just a thought. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking if Maki came out and he went over there and just snatched some shit right off of her head, that'd be a problem. Oh, yeah. Masha, that'd be a problem. Allie, that'd be a problem. So, yeah, that I don't think it's cool to do. I don't think it's okay to do that. And again, some people may think the other way. This is just my opinion. No disrespect to others. Um, no, I'm just not into like fans coming up and just stripping shit off of performers. When fans when it's part of their costume too. Yeah, when fans like turn the show into like they're the only fan at the show and we don't have to like nothing else fucking matters. That's when I those are the fans I can't fucking stand and hate and because they ruined it for everyone else. But luckily, at almost every GCW show I've been at, like everyone's like, no, we're all gonna fucking have a time of our lives here. We're gonna make sure we all have fun and get to see or do yeah. what we want to do. Like, like I said, I've had in GA, I've had people stand in front of my wife and like, they realize like, Oh shit. Like, Oh, here, like, can I get out of your way? But then like other times she's like, no, that's fine. But like, once the Jordan Oliver came out, she knows like, they know like we're wearing Jordan Oliver shirts. They want to see it. They're like, <laughs> they go, Hey, Hey, scoot up here. Like they go stand behind us to give, like, that's let cool. us enjoy that part. Cause they know like, that's what she really came for. We might've really came for, but it's for the most part, all of them are pretty cool. And they don't make it about themselves selfishly. Okay, so the next one. 
He said, bigger seats or spread the chairs apart. She was looking at the crowd and she says, most of the fans are larger people. My, uh, my wife was uncomfortable next to a larger lady that she was sitting next to. And this lady, I'm not kidding, was super, super nice. And my wife and her both tried, but I'm sure she was uncomfortable too. So my wife just said, basically, if we can't have more spacing and or not larger seats, which you can't just get larger seats, that's just, then maybe it's time for a bigger venue. She says that everyone was sweating on each other and it was disgusting. So that's, that's the next point that she had made there. Okay, for me, I would have to say for comfort, and again, I'm a big guy, so it's hard to really, but the more space is always good. And I actually try to make some extra space. Sorry to the people around me a little bit, but I mean, I'm 6'3", 265. Actually, haha, 260. I'm still working my way down nice. on weight. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, like I'll sit next to someone and I'll go, I'm sorry, is it okay if I just push the seats a little this way or that? And nobody ever complains because generally that means everyone else gets a little extra room too. So yeah, it's usually a high. And, and I do it. And like I said, I'm a big guy. And then you got my son who's six, six and rocking like three twenty five. And generally people don't come up to us and go, Hey, you don't do that. And we never have that shit ever. So, um, in this scenario, she, I think she's right to say that because quite a few of us are larger and quite a few of us were kind of on top of each other. You know, some of us are sitting all the way up in their seat. So the people, other people can sit back and have a little more extra arm room. And, you know, I'm putting my arm around my wife. And then sometimes I'm putting my arm around, you know, the, my family member that came with me and, um, and it was a little warm in there. I, that's just, I think how it may be, but I think she's right. A bigger venue would be cool on the Patreon podcast from the official GCW podcast with Brett Lauderdale that came out this morning on our recording day. He said that he doesn't think that more people would come just because he gets a bigger venue. So I know part of that also may make sense, but if he gets a bigger venue, there should be a chance for more paying seats. I, again, that's something we're talking about at some point. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that one? Is it, you like the, I like the UCC. I don't like the glass policy. Yep. I'm you're right. taking the, nope, U, you're thing. taking the GCW out of the GCW, you know? I, I'm the same way there, and the one of the first, like, uh, I think it was No Signal in the Hills Part 1, I think it was, um, Sheik went against Dark, uh, no, Dark Sheik went against Nick Gage um, in the main event. Mm -hmm. That place was, like, standing room only. Like, that place was crazier packed than anything we've seen now. And I remember really? they said they was, like, literally standing room only. I think they even said they even got in trouble because, like, they sold away, like, more tickets than they should have. And they had to turn probably a lot of people down. But, like, on this one, though, like, they had tickets pretty much right until the day of. So it's not like I get to his saying, like, that we barely sold out this one. It's not like we have, like, 500 extra people trying to come in here right, so to get a right. new venue. But um, I feel the same way. Like, I, I kind of do like the venue. Um, I like how it kind of looks on the inside and everything. But, uh, I, the, my big thing is that it takes away from the, the glass and the deathmatch stuff that GCW typically does. I don't, and it, Brett has a relationship with them, so it's probably cheaper. And that's why maybe he's able to get like the Vikingos into 
to come out for the LA shows and stuff like that with that extra money. But I, I don't know. I'm kind of like 50, 50 on the thing. Like I like the UCC center and everything they do, but I also wouldn't mind a bigger venue, as you said, for more space, if that's what it creates. And with the possibility of adding glass back into LA shows, because I think that's kind of what's hurting and it's been kind of hurting them for a little bit, but I don't want to say hurting them. They're still selling out shows and doing crazy LA shows. So it's not hurting them that much, but I think a lot of the, hardcore deathmatch GCW fans don't go to those shows because they know it's not going to be glass. So, but it opens it up for more casuals to fill in and still sell out. So I, it's kind of 50, 50 for me on, on uh, that situation. So I'm, I'm with Brett that I think it would be a gamble. He does kind of look at it in more of a negative light, but of course, as a business owner, you can't count shit until you see it. Huh? Yeah. That's how it is for me. I think the UCC is a beautiful center. But if you got a bigger venue or even a different venue that allows glass, more will come. I mean, come on. People want the GCW experience and they say, oh, hey, by the way, you know that one thing that we do better than anyone else that you know us for and, you know, that's that's our thing? Hey, we can do it now in L.A. again. People will show up. Maybe he gets a 5% boost in the crowd, maybe a 10% boost in the crowd. But they will show up. My question is, does that boost in the crowd numbers offset the amount of uh, money it'll take for them to get glass? It's expensive now. You're uh, muted. Yeah, yeah, there you I go, brother. No, I, I didn't have much to add anyway. I was just like thinking like, yeah, like I, I 50-50 on it. Like I do like the way it looks and everything, but I would like a little bit more space and the possibility of glass. So then the next thing she said was she just had a little bit of hard time with the audio. This was the first time this had happened for her at the UCC. I guess she said the last time it was a little better. I'm with her. I couldn't hear Emil as well, and I couldn't hear the music as well. And I know it wasn't packed more than usual. I thought maybe, hey, one of the speakers are out. That can happen too. So um, I kind of agreed with her there, only because I just couldn't hear as well. She said also a few more food and drink options like coffee or tea, even brisk iced tea if you had to, just like in a can um with the drinking that goes on there i'm not against having coffee for sale at these things really i'm not and i'll be honest even even it just costs a little bit of money and they use fucking dixie cups on the way out they should be like hey get a shot of coffee and you just to wake up to get home you're about to hit la traffic at 11 38 you know p.m at night on a saturday night so yeah um that was an interesting one yeah, anything dr- before i go yeah not the drinks now okay. I, I i wish they would uh, kind of scale back on who they sell the drinks to that's my only thing <laughs> <laughs> um a bigger newer ring dedicated to la that was another one that she said now i think in a perfect world we were talking about this before the the episode kind of got started in a perfect world it'd be fantastic but that's kind of not the way Brett does things. If there's a ring already out here that he can use, why the hell go through all those steps when the problem's already solved? And why create extra steps when you don't need to? Again, that's that's a business thing. So I, I agree it would be nice to have that. It would be nice to see a shiny new ring, says GCW, nice new mat. You know, we fuck it up in four months like a, like a Rottweiler would on, on a new piece of, uh, on a new toy, but, um, okay. She said it was hit or miss meeting talents before and, or after the show, including their merch. Now we did talk about this a little bit. Um, 
yeah, she said she, she was, you know, talking to someone or meeting with someone and then the holy shit, someone else, you know, over there popped up and then she's like, okay, well, I'm going to go over there. And then minutes later, that person's gone or, you know, another person shows up and, um, she was maybe hoping that there was a better way, uh, better organized way to get that all together. And I don't know. I, the only thing I can think of is honestly, like get more tables out there and let the people sell their own merch. But then I think that takes away ticket sales, GA. That's one thing I think of like, cause they used to kind of have like the table point. set up in like that bar, like that bar used to be like in that little, uh, that walkway, the ramp that kind of goes up uh-huh. in the back. Like they used to have the bar area there, but then they moved it out and that opened up what 50 spots, 50 tickets probably for them to sell tickets to and stuff like that. No kidding. Yeah. Okay. That spot used to be just, that's where the bar used to be. That inside bar, I don't think was, uh, it might've been even been used too on top of that, but I remember the outside bar was right there in that little nook and cranny. And they took that out recently. And like I said, I think that opened up a bunch of tickets out there. So maybe that's why tables aren't over there because of the lines and it takes away like people standing watching the show is right there by people standing in line for merch maybe oh no i okay wait so that's a bar in there like you can go in and buy a drink drink yeah in that bar in there? Uh-huh. no shit i don't drink but i'm like hmm, maybe i should go in and get a drink because you know that would really make the ucc fun <laughs> yeah that's where i got uh, uh but i was warm so that's where i got my josh barnett drink for Bloodsport. was in there like in that area uh the whiskey yeah, whiskey slash beer, whatever the hell that was. Uh-oh, that hybrid kind of. Yeah, it was a it was it wasn't like I said, it wasn't high bad. alcohol level. Yeah, that it was though. Um okay, so my wife kind of said that she wasn't fond of the walk from the UCC entrance to the parking lot after the show because she said it's kind of shady. I am with her there, um, but at the same time I I think I mentioned earlier where it was a little safer because they had security out by that alley there. That was pretty much protecting the wrestlers but still i liked having that there because if something went down you know so uh but overall she said those are just things that she could think of oh the other thing was a curtain she says that she'd like to see gcw get a better entrance curtain so that um it doesn't look like it does uh i agree with her funny thing i actually talked about that on the last show where i think they should get a double curtain system so you have the curtain that they walk through that we all see and then 10 feet behind that is another curtain. So in case that one curtain opens that we see, that curtain behind it is still shut. So, um, anything else to expand upon on all this? Because I've been talking my ass off here. No, just just different things that we've kind of said that we've kind of noticed too around stuff, just the little things that don't affect too much of the, the experience at UCC, but stuff we would like to kind of see fixed. So I also asked her if there was anything she thought that was worth mentioning. She said that security was on top of everything, which they were. There was nice bathrooms. The venue was clean, beautiful, good looking. The food that was there was good. Um, When the audio was turned louder, it did sound good. She really did like the lighting because it stayed the same the whole time. She takes pictures. So you can see her at Turtle STP, I think she's at. And she's taking pictures. If you're on GCW, you're going to see because GCW is even retweeting all of her pictures now. So um, we got in quickly to the event. No issue there. So I agree with her there. Um, so let's just talk for a minute. I th- Well, no, we'll get there. But when it comes to security being on top of everything, they literally were. So I guess we'll we'll get into that a little bit later. But um, from head to toe, security was awesome that night. They really... 
somebody or a group of people really put their heads together and tried to actively do their job better. And they really did, I think. Security over there lately has been pretty good. And I, I told yeah. my wife too, they're be, I'm glad they're being proactive instead of reactive. They're kind of, mm-hmm. they kind of are, are, lab, are finding out the, the same person or same people that are kind of being problems and keep an eye on them throughout the night. I think that's been helpful for everybody uh, watching these shows in, in the live crowd. All right. So we, we talked a lot here. I talked a lot here. Um, into this show here, we have Emil getting in the ring to do his thing. His voice is bouncing nicely throughout the UCC. I will say again, we're fortunate to have Emil. His voice has an amazing amount of enthusiasm. He has an amazing amount of enthusiasm. He really loves wrestling so much also. Um, I'll just tell you a quick story here. I was embarrassed when we were talking the other night, he and I. He Okay, I was dead tired. He made a Zandig reference, and I was too tired to even acknowledge it. And it was just embarrassing coming from a wrestling nerd that, yeah. So I do love talking to him when we can. He's definitely an East Coast guy through and through. He was on uh, double duty as an announcer and bell ringer that night. And um, Jesus, he's good. He did commentary also. Actually, he did three things. Yeah, he was on commentary for a little bit. Um, That's all I really have to share about the beginning. Um, Again, just kind of a shorter show. So I was really even surprised with our opener here because, like I said, I was looking for more of a scramble. I still don't know why we didn't have one. There had to have just been maybe a lack of people. Yeah, I think by the time he saw the people going and uh, not being available for the shows, he probably just had what he had and then just went on with as much as possible. Because like, we lost the match the day before of Blake Christian versus Blackwood that ended up turning into a uh, triple threat match later in the evening. And yeah, no Gringo. But I don't think Gringo was announced for this show, but it's not like he backed out. But usually, even when he's not announced, he's, as we say, will show up in a scramble or some sort of six-man lucha match at the LA shows as well. But with no gringo and all that stuff, I think he just kind of called it, called what he had and just went on with the show as best as possible. And we got it. And I, like I said, I think they did a pretty good show for what they, what the situations and uh, stuff that was happening around with the rosters and different shows throughout the other promotions and stuff. I think overall he did a great job of kind of just rolling, going out there and doing what he had to do and, I, I was I was impressed with the night. But the first matchup of GCW Thank Me Later is Starboy versus Cole Radrick. And I thought it was a great matchup for opening match. I said not to scramble, but to get a lot of action and two good talents that need uh, need some victories here. I really enjoyed this first match in uh of Cole versus Starboy. Okay, so speaking of missing performers, I, I made a small list, but it was just, you know, the ones that we're off the top of my head that I know their absence was felt. Alley Catch, Jordan Oliver, Nick Wayne, the members of SGC, Blake Christian. And we won't even talk about the names that really spoil us like Commander, Arez, Vikingo. So their absences were just all a factor. It came into how we were judging the night, especially when I know you and your family are huge Jordan fans and I mean, that's why you're really going out there. I, I'm big on just East, West in general. It could be Wayne. It could be Jordan. Does not matter. I'm, I'm actually a big Blake fan. You know, it's heel, but also he's a really fucking nice guy. But yeah, the, the absences are there. It's like, whoa. Um, I'm not unhappy by any stretch of the imagination because the whole show was good. It's just 
we miss them. No, no lie. Yeah, I think that's what kind of felt like we were missing for the show with the, like I said, the scrambles, the lucha match, the death match, and a lot of our regulars that we normally uh, cheer and root for and see at these shows was uh, took a little bit out of it going into the show, but as the show went on, it was uh, definitely made up for it. Oh yeah, the whole the whole thing. I mean, it really picked up really quick. Okay, so Starboy Charlie and Cole Radic, our first match. This ended up being around nine and a half minutes, just short of the ten minute mark. Radic was out first. He had a fantastic crowd reaction. Starboy then followed him out next. With Starboy, I recommend he gets a tie-dye shirt to go along with his gimmick. I kind of said that before, and I'm just going to kind of say it again there. He's going for the hippie thing. He might want to have the full hippie outfit. Maybe even just get some uh, really cool glasses to go along. This was a really interesting choice as a number one match because fans were wondering about a scramble. I heard even people around us going, well, okay, we're not starting with the scramble. Interesting. This match specifically, though, started with a lot of real wrestling. We had bridges, holds, counters. It was um, it was real. Starboys was primarily dominant in the first half of the match. I was also realizing, like, this is a damn good classic wrestling match. The story was primarily just struggle back and forth. There really wasn't a need for anything more. Heavy chops on Charlie. It has to be rough with those buttons on his overalls, I put in my notes. And... Yeah, we've mentioned that before, too. Cole was kind of coming off as the veteran in this match, and it felt like Starboy is the one on the come up. But um, Cole was barely getting any control in this match, but for just small little sections at a time, 30 seconds here, 30 seconds there. A nice spot with Charlie with a poison Rana on Cole. The pace picked up with the last three minutes up to that point. There really wasn't any like high flying moves to really report about. Nothing outside, no weapons. There was a nice spot with Cole's stunner off the ropes, and it was good enough to where GPW actually replayed it. But the ending here, Starboy did a tombstone pile driver on Radic that Radrick that pretty much took him out. Charlie covers for three. Our winner, Starboy Charlie. I like the old school <laughs> wrestling that this match had. Like the beginning was yeah. awesome. Like there was like the struggle when Cole, like they were going for the pins, and like Cole like end up turning a looks like a backslide that that uh school uh starboy was going for and like cole instead of like falling backwards just took a couple step backwards and took uh starboy charlie's momentum and just sat down and turned it into like a sunset flip kind of roll up i thought that was like pretty cool offense from cole and like he even brought out his striking in this one and a couple other different like submission holds that we haven't really seen of his and i enjoyed that and it was that's something we've been kind of said we needed to see from cole like to switch up Mm his uh switch up his offense i think a couple months ago he was talking about like he's going to start watching some more mma and adding adding that stuff in and this was like the first match where i really i, I really saw him kind of incorporating a new little boost to his moveset and i enjoyed this new look of cole it looked like he was like really out there to kind of prove it prove a point and trying to get back on like the winning the winning streak again and get back on get the momentum back going in his favor but starboy was awesome too like the, the what they did to get into the tombstone was pretty cool as well with turning like sebastian's flipping sebastian's curse into the tombstone oh, yeah. driver. like i thought Star- there was a lot of cool reversals in this match i really enjoyed the old school pacing like you said nothing was really outside the ring it was a like in the ring kind of match i enjoyed it and i thought this showed off both level both competitors level of straight just wrestling not 
going crazy and scrambles for two minutes or using fuckery like Cole did when he was extreme champion. I thought this was a really good first matchup and kind of, like I said, perfect for both of them to kind of get the crowd's momentum behind them and get back on the winning reign. Starboy with the win. I was kind of not, I was shocked that I thought Cole would get the win. I thought Cole maybe needed the win a little bit longer or a little bit more. Now I thought Starboy would kind of go a little bit longer on this, just taking punishment and like beating himself up with bigger opponents. Um, I thought that was kind of what he was adding to his gimmick, but I'm glad he got the win. And uh, this is yeah, a good first match, not a scramble, but I enjoyed seeing the different offense and like innovative counters that they, these two did throughout the, uh, throughout their match. Well, my final wrap up note on this was that it was a well-paced mature match between two younger wrestlers. And I think that they carried an almost 10 minute match very well. That's a, I think that's a hell of a wrap up. That's right a good, there, yeah, that's honestly. a perfect wrap up for everything we just said. <laughs> that will lead us into our second matchup of the evening. And one that I think we were both pretty uh, much anticipating to be one of the matches of the night as Kevin Knight goes one-on-one with the Northeast beast, Alec Price. And I was really excited. I'm glad Kevin Knight got the reaction he did too. I guess I should, I was a little bit shocked that it was a little bit, more than I expected, but with New Japan Dojo being out there in LA, I, that's on me for not uh, putting two and two together. But he looked like he fit. I liked the glasses. I liked the look, the attitude. Obviously, his in-ring stuff is phenomenal as well. I thought he just had one of those looks that fit right into GCW. I, I enjoyed seeing Kevin Knight into a GCW ring, and uh, Alec Price with this first match was good. And as we talked about, this was a step-up match. Kind of a show out match, a showcase match for Alec Price. Uh, he did an awesome job throughout this match as well. The one thing I do want to say, I wish this match would have lasted longer. As it was like only 10 minutes, I thought this could have been like one of those 15, 20 minute back and forth, get the crowd on the edge of their seat kind of matches. This one caught me by surprise because about five, six, maybe seven minutes through, I'm like, this is a serious fucking match. Yeah. It's not one of those ones where it's just a blow off number two match of the card. It, it really was a good legitimate match and we should have known this because we've got the jet versus the northeast beast it's like come on really so yeah um the jet kevin knight outburst great energy only in business for five years i have that he's an awesome look awesome talent alec is out next good cheers west coast is still trying to get him is what i feel he's playing heel but at the same time he's being cheered somewhat so to me, he's on an interesting fence right now overall, but on the West Coast, he's really on an interesting fence. We don't know what to do with him out here, and it's going to take some time. It's just going to also take some more exposure, but he got heat. He did it well. Famous Kevin, though, he's has around five years of training, and I don't, same thing, just like match number one. You wouldn't have expected such a good athletic match out of two younger guys. Just You wouldn't. Yeah, I was ex- uh, what I was expecting a little bit more high flying that we saw. I kind of picked up near the end, but I expected there to be kind of a little bit more high flying spots throughout this match. But uh, I liked it because of the showcase. Alex having to work kind of a stronger style with the New Japan talent and Kevin Knight, and obviously the way that they work in New Japan, they don't really do the spot, spot, spot high flying stuff. They tell a story, so it was kind of nice seeing Alex Price show a case a different skill set in the ring. Typically. Uh, untypically than what we normally see with him in the scrambles for two minutes, just flying all over the place, killing everyone. So in this match, both men really had a feeling out process for the first minute or so. But um, 
there was a real volley back and forth between the both of them, and that got an ovation from the crowd. Then they ended up going a second little back and forth, and that got a second ovation from the crowd. Just their skills were off the chain. Jordan Castle said something that you don't hear often. He said, I like Alec Price, but sometimes he does bad things. That's that's a real interesting statement because it's it's an incredible mixed signal. Either he's a heel Jordan likes or Alec is a face who does heel things, which is ultimately still a heel. I just I'm, I'm saying this because commentary usually follows what the company wants the crowd to believe. And and this is one of those weird situations where even Jordan Castle's commentary is not one way or the other it's also on the fence i think he did a great job on commentary yeah without a great job yeah sorry i'm cutting over you sorry there um me too uh i i like that little thing so like i i kind of feel the same way like i with those two possibilities that uh like the alex or that you kind of said like it's either he's a heel that jordan likes and or he's a good guy that does things that jordan doesn't like i kind of feel like for me i'm like the Alec is a face who does heel things kind of thing. Like that's who I, I kind of think he is a baby face, but obviously can do some heelish things to with his attitude and stuff like that in the ring and confidence. But I think that over, as you said, over time as the LA crowd as will hopefully, ter- hopefully turn into what the AC crowd and the Northeast crowd has kind of turned into without being Alec Price fans. They've seen him for a little bit longer. They get it and they kind of now, know how to treat him but jordan did an excellent drama concert all night i forgot what he he wrote i wrote it down my notes but i think i deleted it i couldn't find it there but he said he's made a comment too i was like that's why i like him like he calls the moves by i think it was like a move that like someone goes oh it's just like crossbody and he's like no this was like that wrestler's finisher like gave him the signature move and he knows his shit i'm glad he's finding confidence and getting better on the mic over all these times that we've seen him so I put out here that Alec has some uh, high diving crazy shit in his blood. When he pulls that out, sometimes the fans are won over completely. There's a possibility for him to be a long-term regular as a face. Now, here we are again. We're all kind of counter you. I think what's going on with him is he's a heel that is winning over the crowd. With cool shit. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is what we were talking about before, where you're saying he has more of a face move set. Yeah, I think he does cool shit, but then his attitude's kind of like the heelish, where yeah, kinda like what you're saying, you're saying, uh, like he's he's cool, <laughs> kind of like backwards opposite, like he's good, he's yes. like has like a good look and personality, but sometimes he just does the heelish tactics and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, I'm gonna go back tonight for a minute, dude. He is in top form physically. I love every freaking move that he had pulled out. I also put here that Alec had a good ground game. We generally don't see his ground game because he's more of a high flyer. He's fast. He's he's one of those type of guys. So it was really good because you'd see that he had uh, kept Kevin down for over a solid minute at one point. Both men step it up for the second half of the match. It's starting to sink in that both men are having an impressive match well beyond their experience level. No moves are repeated, and the story being told to us is good. It's a solid back and forth. Neither were truly dominant for more than a minute at a time. Alex does a blockbuster, and it could easily be turned into a clout cutter. I'm just saying. I watched it happen, and I wasn't paying attention for just a minute, and I don't know why, but I thought I saw Jordan run to the fucking ropes, and it was (laughs) Alex. You know what I mean? Because the body... 
because Alec is where, uh, you know, where um, Jordan was like maybe a year ago or more. Yeah. So I, for some reason I saw it and then he ran up the ropes. I'm like, oh, that could have been turned into a clout cutter. It, he's got a blockbuster. He could call it the clout buster or some shit like that. It's it's waiting to happen. But Kevin had a tremendous resilience on him. Alec worked him over really well and he just kept getting up. So towards the end here, Kevin was only getting offense in small amounts in the last few minutes. There were several pin attempts at the end, and somehow he works in Alec, finally rolls him up for three. Our winner is Kevin Knight. Um, Very interesting match. Kevin didn't go over as dominant. It was really more like putting Alec over and using Kevin's um, star power as a way to boost Alec. And I'm cool with that. Seeing. I, I like me that. Too, like me it, too. I like we. I think we talked about this before. Like, I thought for sure Kevin was going to get the win, but this was one of those nights for Alex to showcase his talent and everything else. Yeah. Um, I do. I kind of. Th- I like the ending. I thought as they were rolling around doing the different pins, I was like, that would be kind of cool if someone gets a sneak surprise one in right now. And it happened to be Kevin. <laughs> I was doing for Alex to do it, but I, I as it happened, I think I turned to my wife. I said the same thing. I'm like, I like that ending because it doesn't bury Alex and it keeps him looking strong. It just looks like, oh, he slipped up for three seconds. Not like, hey, you got hot, you got hit with the signature, the finisher, another finisher, and then it's over. Like he got lucky kind of thing. And I like that because it does protect right. Alec while also giving the new Japan uh, wrestler the victory. I I'm cool with that. ending. I liked it. It's smart, smart way to keep both strong. No, I, I agree with you hundred percent. That was, that was a good way to put it really. Just to go back to your uh, Alex uh, with the healer stuff too. I don't know. I yeah, don't think yeah. you saw it, but maybe you saw it on the video uh, when at the beginning of the match, when they do like the, they went to go shake hands and like Alec had his hand behind him and then like the whole crowd shattered. No, Alec had his fingers cracked. Right, right. Actually crossed. Like, I don't think I've actually seen a wrestler actually cross their fingers. They just always like, Oh, I got my hand behind my back and then does the healer thing. I don't think I've actually seen fingers being crossed at that point. I thought that was a funny little <laughs> thing that Alec does. And, uh, I love this stomp that he did here too. Like he kept on fighting for that stomp. Like the Kevin was hanging from the top rope and stomping him. But I loved how yep. instead of just standing on the top rope, doing it that way, he failed. And then like kind of rolled out of it to the opposite corner and ran from the opposite corner to the top turnbuckle and jumped off there for like a backward stomp. I love that transition. And I love when he does that move. Blackwood did that move. And that was a move he did kind of similar uh, in the collective night at emo fight against Jimmy Jacobs, where that's where I was like, that's the, I want to see more shit like that from Kevin Blackwood. Cause like, I like the high mm-hmm. flying, like that's a, a, not an orthodox move. And Alec does it so effortlessly. Like that's what I want to see Kevin Blackwood kind of doing that kind of high flying innovative offense. When I was talking about uh, Blackwood a couple uh, last episode, when we were going into tonight's show. Um, I think both should be, be proud of their performance. It came off mature, and the show of physicality by both men was impressive. I think it was a great choice for a second match of the night, and it was nice that that second match wasn't, you know, historically on the card. The second match is kind of a, you know, cool down or a blow off, or it's one of those matches that have real wrestling in it, and we were fortunate enough to have that. Yeah, and so far I like uh, the pace of the first two matches. We got the classical, more technical first match opening, and then now this next match is more of the high-flying, back-and-forth, innovative offense. I really enjoyed uh, seeing Kevin Knight in a GCW ring, and I think that was a perfect person to put him against was Alec Price for this first match. That will lead us to match number three of the evening, which is the tag team match of Joy... Oh. Joyer Rick. I almost said Joy. Joy, Joy, Joy and Sawyer. Joyer. 
Holy shit. Joyer, Joyer Wreck. Oh, okay, let's try this again. Joey Janela teaming yeah, yeah. with Sawyer Wreck. <laughs> going against Los Macisos, Ciclope, and Miedo. And obviously my first thought was, how's Miedo's shoulder? It looked fine. Mm-hmm. This was like one match, even though there were points that looked like he was hiding it. There, He was doing everything, and I... uh I'm glad he was able to have a decent, fun match. I'm this one turned chaotic, which I thought it would, and it was crazy fun just in general. And yeah, I think this match was perfect for all four, and um, it was perfect for the fans to get that now bit of extremeness and ultra violence in their in their blood after the first two matches. So my favorite outfit from Los Macisos is the cow gear. My second is the purple and black and green. I call it the alien gear because Ciclope has a green alien on the side. And then now I kind of like this. They look pretty snazzy. They had those white letterman's jackets. Pretty cool. It said said Macisos on it and everything. Yeah, I like the new look. So another thing I was laughing about was that uh, Emil got tongue-tied in Spanish. I'm surprised it took him um, this long for that to happen. Okay, so we actually had a conversation right on the fucking spot. If you watch, he'll get out of the ring after that, and you'll see my arms go up. Because right there, I went, what the fuck is that? And I started (laughs) laughing. And he goes, dude, that is the first time I've ever been tongue-tied in Spanish ever. So, I don't know. It was just, he takes himself seriously, but it was funny, and we all laughed together. So, it wasn't anything where it was crazy, but... It was fun to watch back on the screen because him and Ciclope are just smiling at each other. And it's just they were having a good time together. And it's just one of those things where it was bound to happen at some point And it was cool to watch live. And I loved doing the East Coast ride Emil's ass just a little <laughs> for fucking up. It, it was cool. So Sawyer and Janela, again, they make me feel like that's a legit tag team. That's a threat. I don't know why. I don't know how but they each bring something unique that generally would clash if it was put together. And Joey just has this adaptivity, um, adaptability, I'm sorry. And seems like Sawyer does too. She can hang with anyone. So you take someone adaptable with someone else who can hang with anyone and you have quite a deadly team when you have it with Janela and Sawyer Rack. Yeah. What's your thoughts on these two? I think they're starting to gel and build kind of chemistry as a team. Uh, I noticed that too as this match was going. I'm like, it looks better than they did the first two. I think they teamed together twice now. I'm not, I can't remember. Yeah, this, is, this was their second oh, this time was the second together, one? Okay. I believe. Yeah, and I think they are starting to gel. Like, if, it, if that's where they're going to go with the tag team titles, uh, have it be kind of a little bit more extreme, then I think, yeah, those two would be a perfect match with the tables and chairs and stuff like that i just kind of worry if joey and sawyer had to have a regular tag team match against like the east west express how that would look that's where i kind of i think the they're booking them as a tag team is perfect i just kind of worry about if they go a little bit more traditional how that would look but when they're going new against Los Macisos, i like it no 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 new no, champs no. oh could it be that one would be painful no 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 i'm not saying agree, agree or disagree but it's possible if they get on the right popularity train they could be handed off to that and number one janella would know how to handle the belts and number two sawyer would learn a lot from janella in the process that doesn't mean it's going to sell tickets but i am going to say that's a team that could take it off without a lot of booze yes because whoever's going to take it off east west is going to get booed yeah, I don't know. Like after, like as we were talking about before, when Jordan tweeted out that East West Express video, and Brett kind of like retweeted like with a sad sign. Like I don't know. Like that was kind of like a hey, 
Like, sad we're not going to have Nick Wayne for a little bit because he graduated, or sad that it's going to be the end of their title reign going against uh, the Bookers from Hog Wrestling. I don't know. I, I, I personally would rather them lose to Hog, like, or the Bookers from Hog, uh, than I would be Joey and Sawyer. I, I don't know. I, not this early. <laughs> Question. Would you rather see an East-West loss on GCW? Or would you rather see an East-West title loss on Hog or another company? Like for them when they lose the belts? What I'm saying is, would it take the sting out if they lost it on another per, on another company's show than if they lost it at home? I'll be honest with you. I, I know they're going to lose it soon with the whole, the whole Nick thing. I, I'm, I, I, don't, I won't care too much of it, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think it would be cool if they lost. Like, let's say they defended it in a oh. House of Glory match. Like for, like, yeah, yeah. I, that could be a cool surprise and tease and... Once again, we kind of talk about the cross-promotional stuff. I think that would be a cool cross-promotional thing now with uh, House of Glory. With Cardona now, I think he's their champion. Being <laughs> being uh, their champion, I wouldn't be surprised to see like a East, or the, the Amazing Red and, um, oh my God, I forgot his name, the other booker. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing them lose to them in New York. I think I wouldn't want Nick Wayne's first match in New York to be a loss like that, especially considering what... He had to go through in New York the first time, right? But right. I think I think I would take the loss if that gave me the matchup against uh, Will Osprey that it gave him. So I don't know, maybe like he's not worried about the wins and loss. I think it'd be cooler if they lost it in like House of Glory in one of their actual shows. It'd be a cool thing for like their promotion now could have the the tag team. But then now I would probably go out of my way to watch it more just to see what kind of people from GCW go and challenge. Uh, and just pop up and just be a surprise on their show. I think that would be a cool, cool thing to do. Dude, I'll take a GCW invasion into Hog. That's what I'm talking. Yeah, that's great, exactly great cross promotion. I would love that kind of. If they were to, if they lose it to the Bookers, I would like it in that kind of setting. Or seeing it, seeing them win it and show up and kind of talking trash about it, and then seeing who shows up from GCW over there. I think it would be fun to see. I, th- I really was happy to see that. Uh, kind of crossover. And then, like I said last week, to see Cardona wrestle for them too. It's like, okay, so maybe they do have a little bit more of a working relationship more than I even know, which I think would be cool for both promotions. So there is a possibility maybe we could do like a modified Freebird rule where maybe East West does pick up a third member and that title just goes to that member when Wayne drops out. Alec, I think that's where Alec would fit in really good. I'm just, you know what I mean? I'm just trying to think. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, that would be so crazy. Both of them would be interesting. Um, Alec would fit better just based on, you know, year, uh, age, body type, height, weight, so on and so forth. And then they could turn it into a know. feud between Jordan and Alec once they decide to, like, break oh, up the group, that too. Would be that would vicious. be a crazy feud. I, wow, I like that. I didn't even think about yeah. that. And if Billy was sticking around, I would probably have put her in East West. Yeah. Absolutely. I would love to have put her in there. Um, just for intergender matches um, and also just having a, a female representative on the squad. I don't know. I'm big on that stuff, man. I like it. Yeah, Building up, building out the faction. So, yeah, um, I don't know if it was meant to be booked this way or if this Sawyer Janela team just became a little popular. So they ended up putting them together again. I'm not sure, but it's like I said, it's working. I know we touched on it for a minute, but. Yeah, I don't know what happened here. The chicken or the egg came first on this one. Was it the fans or was it the booking who told the fans to get behind it? Well, I think when they had their first match in AC, that was kind of a good start too. Like, hey, like Joey, not carried her, but 
had a very good match with Sawyer, and I think that's probably her best match I've ever seen, like in a singles competitive in one on one competition. Her match with Joey I think is the best. So maybe they both one of felt her most that, violent. That one too, yeah. That chokes them from the top was fun and mm-hmm. a memorable moment for sure. I think maybe them two working together, they maybe felt some chemistry and did their own things, but then like now they're like, kind of like, hey, what should we do? And they threw them together and like see the chemistry work together as a team, which I think there is. It's slowly building up there for sure. So Cyclope was wrestling with a backpack on. It was like a turtle shell. It kind of had me laughing at times. The tag rules here were somewhat loose throughout the match. It was often a lot of two-on-ones going on. Joey was having fun at one point using Cyclope's headphones. It kind of made me laugh. They uh, had a standard match between the two of them. At one point, this crowded started chanting, we want tables, which is just heresy in the GCW world because we always want doors. But this time we wanted tables. Um, I don't know if I just didn't catch it. Was there like a team 3D thing that I maybe just missed at the time? The little Devon kind of Dudley thing or I didn't see that. But what I okay. like, I think it, it goes on to what I was going to say, like the fans, like when you were talking about the referee with the rules, like, oh, I was what paying attention to some of these fans like they're counting for the ref for the three. Like they're doing the ref's job, kind of not knowing like, hey, it's GCW, like. They don't need to go by those rules. It goes by whoever the fuck right, the ref does. Right, right. Like you could tell, like the old traditional wrestling fans are like, "What the fuck?" Kind of doing that thing. So I just, I just <laughs> always, cool. whenever I hear tables, I always just assume it's people that kind of don't know that GCW does doors instead of tables. So it's people new to the product, kind of thing. Yeah. See, and I was thinking maybe there was a Dudley reference, and I just missed it. In the, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, um, we had a chair in at minute six. A door came in at minute seven. A door bridge was made at minute eight. The chair shots in this match, for some reason, not going to lie, were mostly light. Minute nine, Miedo brings out a large ladder. Fans were loving seeing the ladder coming out. The place, like, the the fucking lid blew off the place when the ladder came out. And even that, you can kind of hear on broadcast. Minute 10, we have Joey being put through a door. So we'll go kind of to the ending here. This is almost a 12-minute match. The ladder was set up in the ring. Joey placed Mieto under the bridge that was there. Joey went up top. Cyclope then went up also. Then Joey got knocked off. So instead, Sawyer went up. Sawyer then grabs a hold of Cyclope, chokes Sam, uh, Cyclope. Wow, that is chokes Slam Cyclope through the door bridge and onto Mieto. So they end up covering for three. Our winner here was Joey Janela and Sawyer Wreck. Joyer Wreck for the victory. Joyer Wreck. I like that. <laughs> That's that's a good one, actually. I so, uh, yeah, talk to me about this one. I got scared when I saw Miedo kind of walk into the back and grabbing the ladder. I was like, oh shit, not the shoulder again! But <laughs> he got me. He got me. That's for sure. And brought out the ladder with that freaking hurt arm too, all by himself. Um, yeah, I, I was kind of. I was the one. I don't know if it caught out loud, but I was like, uh, <laughs> I screamed when at the chair shots too. Like the first couple ones were like soft. When Miedo hit like Sawyer, I'm like, fuck her up, hit her harder. And then the next one goes like, yeah, my son just looked at me like, what's wrong with you, daddy? I'm like, I want him to hit her harder. Like, hit, show me <laughs> a real chair shot, harder. right? Do it. I was, I was all cheered for that. I, I, I thought the same thing, too. I'm like, what was that chair shot? Like, come on. I just saw Willie Mack put a chair through Billy Dixon's back. And that was like the loudest chair shot I've ever heard at the UCC Center. I can't be followed up with that stuff. Um, exactly. But yeah, as you said, the next one did get a little bit harder, which I was kind of happy to see. And, uh just in general, I like to see the chair shots not being kind of slowed down. I enjoyed this match. It was good. It was perfect match, perfect timing. 
for the fans and it gave a lot of fuckery a lot of the la- ladder match was i was like oh shit i didn't know what the hell mieto was doing underneath there i'm like get out from underneath there mieto get your no shoulder sense. yeah i was like get your shoulder out from you don't need to be underneath this table but i think the only way it made sense was for the pin like to cover them both just right then and there but uh i thought that was a cool way to end it i thought with the ladder spot the choke slam perfect again for Sawyer wreck to do that um I, I enjoyed this match. I thought this was good. Once again, another loss for Miedo and Ciclope. Like I said, I wonder like what if I want that to lead to something. I don't know. Maybe NGI will get Miedo versus Ciclope and TOS in a blood feud or something. Wow. I don't know. It's gonna I would like to see that feud go down one day. Hopefully it'll happen. Yeah. Just those two go at it, give them a main event, That's, let them tear the fucking house down. TOS mm. was the perfect, perfect thing for it. So I'm not going to lie. I have this written down as a standard match. I have seen a lot of wrestling. I enjoyed it. And there was some fuckery. But yeah, I just put it as a standard match. If you put these guys all together, I think this is what would come out of it. And I'm happy with it. Um, You know, we're not selling pay-per-views. We're just having match number three on the card. Yeah, this was everything I expected it to be. And it delivered. I I guess that I thought it was Kruger timing after seeing a traditional match the more technical than a high speed match to kind of quench the the blood fiends in LA to uh that want the ultra violence all the time. I thought this was a good way to kind of satisfy that taste, especially heading into the next match of the evening. For the fourth matchup of GCW's Thank Me Later, it is a singles bout between Santana Jackson and Jimmy fucking Lloyd. Now this was one match that was not advertised. I don't think it was um no yeah no. i'm about to say this was the one match that was not advertised so this was kind of like a fill-in to maybe what happened with uh uh blake christian not showing up and kill, uh, filling in some time but i was i kind of missed this match live i uh i saw that like i said i saw the entrances and then uh took my son to the bathroom and then that kind of took the entire six minutes of this match and <laughs> by the time i came back to my seat i i think uh jimmy or santana jackson already is celebrating and all that stuff. So I really did miss the match, but that pop was fucking loud. I do have to say that that was probably the loudest pop of the night for sure. For me, uh, was Santana Jackson. And that was just caught me off guard, but I'm glad because he does have a unique kind of character that is, (laughs) does go viral. And, uh, He's he's improving in the ring too. I noticed that much a lot from when oh, I first first couple saw first couple times I saw him. It was just basic, but now he's uh, pulling out destroyers and shit. And I was like, that's cool to see him improving because his gimmicks is pretty fun. Like you said, it might be the life the lifespan of it. You can't see it probably every single time, but whenever you do see it, it does feel special and it's always fun to watch a Santana Jackson matchup. Yeah, like when he comes out. In my head, I'm like, tell me he does the thriller. Please tell me he does the That's thriller. The one, and then yep. he goes under the mat, and I'm like, yes. He's and I missed thriller. it all. Oh, my gosh, man. Yeah, L.A. loves Santana Jackson. He's fun to watch. The crowd erupted. I'm right there with you. Pop of the night, if not the loudest pop of the night by far. Jimmy is always a welcome sight. Fans were chanting for him at TOS 8 that past weekend. I think anyone who watched easily heard it, man. There were some serious Jimmy fans at TOS 8. And then... I think COS also had some Jimmy. No, Jimmy was into COS, no. wasn't he? No, uh, he wrestled that night uh, in like a tag match. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I just remember, man, TOS eight chance for Jimmy were off the chain and they almost hijacked a match. Yeah. That, that, that's a, I bet you Brett wasn't too happy with that one. 
Like, <laughs> no, it's it's really fun though when fans can flip booking like that. I like with the FSW GCW show we were at. I I was like, I'm gonna flip fucking booking. Just, <laughs> you know, uh, the ring bell eventually goes off. I honestly think we do have a computer bell, which that's how it works. That night is fine. It just depends on what you have to work with. This match was about showing off Santana Jackson and what he can do. That's what I realized when this was all over. There was a Jimmy pile driver on the outside of the ring and Santana falls on the floor and rolls under the ring. This is where Thriller plays and out comes Santana as the Michael Jackson wolf from Thriller. He has something special that works. This guy, he comes out with the, uh, the red leather jacket from Thriller and he now has a wolf mask that when he opens his mouth, the wolf mask also the mouth opens up also. So that's an upgrade from his last mask. Um, I'm with you that he has improved in ring like a lot. He's put work into it and it makes him as a wrestler way better. Last year at this time was a way different story. Not terrible by any such. It's just what he was doing was limited and it looks like he's put effort into uh, increasing what he can do out there and it looks good. Yeah. I, last time last year was the first time I saw him um, like last time. Uh, Memorial Day in Vegas. I saw him at the F- uh, VXS show against Joey Janela. That match was fucking awesome. Like throwing fucking blanket <laughs> off the top floor onto the bottom. <laughs> like I, I loved, I, I loved Santana Jackson. That first match I first saw him, and that yeah, was fucking awesome. Um, and the, I, the thriller part was all like I took video of it last year, and, and it, that was kind of like my most quote unquote viral video I ever took to Santana. Like people were like, "What the hell is this? This is wrestling." I'm like. This is the new style of wrestling. You got Santana Jackson, baby. <laughs> but, uh, and he, he's so nice to talk to. I talked to him like after that, the next, or two days after that, I posted that video and told him like, hey, I was the one who took that video. You asked like if you could get it. There's like a thing you could do, download it on your phone and from Twitter and go ahead and take it. I don't care. I, yeah. It's yours anyway. You're the one in it. It's your video. So you don't have to ask for permission. But I was like, hey, thank you for letting me post it and uh, interacting with it and stuff like that. But this was a perfect match, as you said, to kind of, showcase santana jackson and jimmy's a perfect foil to showcase uh someone's talent in the wrestling ring and i i, I missed it but my wife said like his reactions were hysterical like when uh, santana mm-hmm. was out of the ring and jimmy's like where the fuck do you go where do you go what the fuck is this and then here's the music like jimmy's facial reactions were like just hysterical she said and she loved it and i was like ah, i missed it but when i did watch it back i kind of caught some of it and it was pretty funny uh to see him do that uh, I thought one. Pro- I probably shouldn't say this joke. We, I'll, I'll say it anyway. And I can edit it afterwards. But uh, someone tweeted like uh, about this match. Is like, yeah, leave it to GCW and Brett to to go ahead and put Santa- put a Michael Jackson impersonator against a former child star or child actor oh, <laughs> in a match. That's awesome. And Brett's like, no, that's did, funny. like Brett's like, damn it, <laughs> like oh shit, it was funny. I didn't that's think about funny. that too, but that's it was it was pretty funny. But I am disappointed. No, I missed this no I wouldn't live. take that out. That's great. Okay, I thought it was a no. pretty funny joke that someone uh, posted. I'm just bad at uh, kind of. We need it, we need the little monkey though. Like maybe if we can get oh, Michael uh, Jackson's little monkey bubbles. Bubbles, yeah. Bubbles, is that you? Yeah, bubbles. Uh, uh. <laughs> like little, yeah, I'm not even going yeah, there, but that would be hilarious. <laughs> well, I'm thinking like Doink and Dink. I'm thinking, you know, yeah. like like there was a smaller person hey, that did like that. If Jordan it, could bring, or, if Joey Janela could bring a freaking snake out the size of the ring. I think Santana should be able to bring out a little chimpanzee or a little monkey. A chimpanzee? He could bring out, like, oh, man, 
it's Las Vegas. He could find like two small Michael Jacksons <laughs> and they come out with him. All the crowd would go nuts. But yeah, I was, yeah, I was saying earlier and I'll just kind of say it again in small in, in not in small doses in large doses, but in lo- longer amounts of time you bring him out. Cause otherwise people can get like, Oh yeah, it's him. I know what's going to happen. It's really nice when you sit him upon a crowd where about 40% of them hasn't seen him before. That, that's what it felt like yeah. this night for sure. Yeah, so there's two special times watching Santana. The first time you ever see it and the time where you're expecting all of his gimmicks that he does to come out, you know? So um, towards the end of this match, it, like like uh, B was saying here, it was a touch under six minutes, like literally a second under six minutes. Santana kicks out of two pile drivers. He ends up running the ropes into a Canadian destroyer into a DDT for the win. So our winner was Santana Jackson. I put that this was the fun match to watch. Two favorites enjoying their time in the ring, doing what they do. I was happy, man. It was fun. Yeah. I I said I missed it live, but watching it back, it looked like a fun match. But hearing the crowd reaction too was uh Dude, and kind of not being able to see anything was pretty loud. Insane. Yeah, like every move Santana Jackson did, like of course when he incorporated the Michael Jackson stuff into it, like I just that's when I heard the big pops and cla- the clapping and the la- the crowd going crazy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, all right. Well, yeah, that was a good one. Yes. And now we'll go into the next kind of completely opposite style of match as the next one is a three-way match with Jack Cartwheel going against Kevin Blackwood and Titus Alexander. Blackwood being inserted into this match as Blake Christian's not here. And this is where I thought would have been cool. Hey, maybe a number one contenders match for Blake Christian. Something to make sense of who's going to get the next shot, but that's a different thing I've already complained about. This match was great. Uh, I've always said Blackwood was a great wrestler. I just didn't like the 2-12 and 12 record getting a title shot. Jack Cartwheel's improved so much, and Titus Alexander is is the future franchise, is a perfect heel between, uh, with these two wrestlers, and I, I think, honestly, uh, one of the best matches of the night. I have another match that's my best match, but I think this in-ring wise this was a great uh triple threat match so i just wrote down in my first note fast pace three-way incoming that i i couldn't think of another way to put it it's just i knew it was going to be fast paced and it was going to be a lot of flying um i'm one of those people that blackwood isn't my flavor that's okay it's nothing bad i am going to be the first one to say that he had one hell of a good showing in this match here and my son isn't a big fan of his and even said, dad, I'm not a big fan, but Blackwood is kicking ass tonight. So I want to go ahead and give him exactly where his due is. He kicked ass. I'm actually wishing him luck on moving back to Buffalo. So he's heading back there. So safe travels, Mr. Blackwood. I, uh, I uh, wish you the best. Cartwheel was out next. It's interesting. He came out second and not last. He received lots of fan love. So, yeah, I was actually surprised Titus was last. I'm absolutely happy seeing him. He's, again, one of my favorites. I'm a heel fan. Cartwheel and Titus, both Bay Area stars. I uh, I saw the possibility of maybe some two-on-ones here going around, but it didn't happen as much as I kind of expected. I don't know if you noticed that, too. There wasn't a lot of two-on-ones. Like, one guy fell out one-on-one. Yep. One guy fell out one-on-one. Yeah, it so. felt more like a traditional, like, yeah, one out, two in. And I would have liked to have maybe seen the Bay Area kind of get together and then something break down and maybe it's Blackwood and Titus kind of going up against Cartwheel. 
in this story, ultimately, I would have had cartwheel. Um, it would have been a three-way still, but really it would have been 1v2. Some dirty shit would have went down, and they're like, no, let's kick the shit out of this kid. He's the one who's this, that. But in this match, cartwheel was the star. He was booked against two heels from the way I've seen it. I would have loved to have seen cartwheel, cartwheel versus Titus, though. I know that was what was really booked here, so... Maybe at some point, if we could maybe run that back, because I think that would have been really exciting. Titus got the most booze in this match. Then Blackwood after that, it was a lot of flips and hybrid moves that I can't truly describe. I did like commentary keeping a cartwheel count. I thought that was kind of fun. I, I said it before here. I even have it in my notes. I would have booked both heels ganging up on Jack. The first GCW chant of the night at minute five. That was kind of different but yeah, didn't even really, realize it was that long yeah i yeah that was kind of telling uh, you know if you think about it fans were <laughs> okay fans were losing interest around minute 12 to 13 you can actually not hear it in the crowd it got kind of quiet after a while you can always hear it when it's time to kind of pick up the pace or wrap it up wrestlers know it too so i put that now this match went on an additional three four minutes which is fine because they really did pick it up after a while this was our most fast-paced match of the night. Jack basically hit a huge corkscrew for the win, so our winner here was Jack Cartwheel. I was happy this much time was given to something more fast-paced. We needed really something upbeat because we didn't really get a scramble, and our last four matches were very wrestling-heavy. I would kind of call... Well, I don't know if I'd call Jackson wrestling-heavy, yeah. but... You know what I meant? It was not the typical GCW people flying off the roof of the fucking building kind of match. Yeah, it did feel like more traditional, like non edge traditional non show. Yeah, non GCW kind of thing um, happening so far. I I think all three stepped up here, especially probably on on last minute notice to make this a triple threat to totally change the match uh, dynamic between Cartwheel and Titus. I thought they adapted very well, and same with Blackwood fitting in with those. Uh, with those two prizes, they had their match already scheduled. I enjoyed this match. I thought this was good for Kevin to get uh, back in the flow since we haven't seen him in a while in GCW. I kind of shocked he didn't get the win. I thought maybe they would build him up if he is going to get a title shot and give him the win since he was supposed to be the person that challenges for the belt. I guess technically, hey, after this shot, I think Jack Hart will deserve a chance uh, sooner mm, than later yeah. uh, picking up this win. If you're going to put Blackwood in against Blake and then Jack Cartwheel picks up the victory in a match that Blackwood's in. I think uh, I wouldn't mind, especially the trajectory that Cartwheel is going and going and going to be a perfect opponent oh, for yes. Blake Christian right now to be a total dickhead and asshole while still elevating uh, Jack Cartwheel. I think I think they could do a lot of cool stuff in that matchup. But all three had a fantastic match. I enjoyed this match. I thought um, I, I was interested with the three way how it would work, and it worked out good. They all got their moments in. And Jack Cartwell getting the win was a surprise to me, but a very good surprise. I am happy he got the win. Like I said, hopefully, I don't know, in booking sense, that will elevate him to be up there and maybe get a title shot before someone else that doesn't deserve it gets one, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> and, I, and like I said, it's not just the you. character. Win, win loss record, that's why. But um, it's so cool to, to see T Titus back. And I, I want to see Titus more and more and more in GCW. I think he should kind of become a little bit more of a regular uh, throughout the United States with GCW and kind of help put his name out there and help grow it. Cause I think he's like California in the West coast. Like he's, he's it. Like we already get him. We know him. 
we know he's the future. I think it's kind of time for the other coast. Like, I, I, a match I want to see now, like, I kind of wish, this is why I wish they would have this LA fight still or do something AC versus LA stuff with the talent and the, the wrestlers have East Coast versus West Coast uh, talent. I want to see Titus against Alec Price. I think that'd be an awesome matchup right now. Well, they have the same problems, you know. Alec mm-hmm. isn't known as well on the West Coast, and then you have Titus not uh, well as known on the East Coast. It's only a matter of time. Yeah, those two should meet up for something. Maybe a JCW match. Yeah. Maybe maybe GCW can hold a uh, tournament, maybe a best of the West and a best of the East tournament, and maybe get uh, you know eight eight performers from the West on one bracket and eight from the East on another bracket and have it go at it. Yeah, that would, that be, would like, be so that's much what I, fun. I really loved LA Fights versus JCW at the Collective. I, I actually woke up yep. early as I was like, I think the first match or the first event of the whole Collective where it was on like uh, early morning show for uh, early on in the day. I remember waking up to watch that one live and to catch it because I like I felt the animosity. They had good storytelling between Mason and Sheik and, and B-Boy and Grim Reefer. Like they did an awesome, cool, uh, like cross- Cross country JCW West Coast versus East Coast kind of rivalry, and I I thought it played very well into like that whole card. And I think yeah, two years away from it being happened happened last time, I think it could happen have it happen again right now. And I think it'd be pretty cool to put in Alec Price, Cartwheels, Starboy Charlie's, Dorn Oliver's, Nick Wayne. Like you could build that East Coast West Coast card real good. Okay, so I'll be the one to say it. Five matches in, and the show is all right at best. GCW is missing the GCW in this show. Maybe it's time to leave the UCC. There were barely, barely any weapons or glass up to this point. Now, maybe it's just me and, of course, the storytellers that build the uh, the card No more than me. And, of course, we're waiting for things. But, again, this whole time I felt like even the Los Macisos match was kind of light. I, was it only, I mean, like, two doors, right? The one in the corner and then well, the that's one that like, got, let, got thrown through. Blood was light. Like, everything was really light on this show. And I'm like, did we piss off? somebody in LA that we're getting such an interesting and light show. And then again, it's only two and a half hours. Well, so, um, I'm like, what talk to me about now, this? Cause maybe, you know, so, like maybe you have a dimension of the way you see it that I don't. I, I just feel what they're doing in LA is they're kind of getting rid of not getting rid of, but obviously because they can't do glass they're kind of moving away from the LA shows being known as kind of like, their GCW shows having the glass. So I think now that's kind of an East Coast thing like that. We could expect to see that in Atlantic City showboat no matter what. I think what they are what they were trying to do, not really this card because of probably scheduling and every other reason, but they're kind of making these LA shows more lucha friendly to fill in that gap. And they were killing it. And with Vikingo, Commander, and Arez, and all these other wrestlers that they're doing in all these luchas, it's been fun. But I think that's where they're kind of moving in my eyes, that's what I see happening is in L.A., let's go more Lucha heavy style while we're still getting their, that fan base in L.A. And they're showing up and enjoying the shows and kind of making up for it when we go back out east. But then, as I was saying in the beginning, like now you got these fans that aren't getting the blood out here that they really love and not showing up to some of these shows that we were saying because of the venue and they're not expecting the blood. And and they're I mean, they're getting their bloodlust from another company out in LA. That's fine. Go ahead for it. But I mean, yeah. I think what GCW has been doing with the Lucha stuff to make up for the lack of ultra violence has been awesome and been working. 
other than this show because obviously there was a lack of it on this show. So I think that's what really, in my eyes, that's where it was hurting. But that's where I've seen these last quite a few LA shows ever since. Shit, I wanted like I don't think we we haven't seen Glass since. Jimmy Lloyd went against Alex Zane. I think that was the last match that had glass at the UCC Center. That's over a year ago. So they don't get ultra. Like, SGC will bust out 15 doors and chairs and ladders and stuff. When yeah. that makes up for it, that's fine. But as we all kind of notice and see there and feel, there is a little difference there and little death match ultraviolence missing when you don't do the glass. But I think they're doing a great job filling it with Lucha stuff. Yeah, that's why I'm saying if they would just move to a building, maybe... 20% larger and it brought in an additional 10% more people because of glass. Um, yeah. The UCC only has that one thing wrong with it. Isn't that sad? Yeah. It's like, it's like this really pretty girl. And then you find out she only has one leg, like oh, that could be a benefit, but I mean, it's, it's like, you know what I mean? It's the one <laughs> or she has 12 toes or some shit like, you know, something a little, yeah, I can't recover from that. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's laughing his ass off. Uh, so, um, yeah, that's the only thing that every time I step in, I'm like, well, all right. And I was already coming into this show feeling like it was kind of a light card. Um, I don't know if I'm maybe it's missing star power or maybe. But the yeah. whole night, the whole card, everything was off. I think I just, just don't know how you said to the talent, it. the talent, the non yeah. the the action. non lucha. Yeah, they, lucha. That, that's they, what they I meant. Lack of scramble. So no Lucha, no scramble, no glass. There was just some some ch- doors, some chairs, but it wasn't a lot. Yeah, that's I I felt like that's what it was missing going into the show. I, like as we kind of talked about the last one, I my expectations my expectations were a little bit lower going into the show than any other show just because of I saw the kind of the card and everything else happening yeah. kind of going on leading into it. I th- but like I said, I don't feel like I left there thinking oh it was down. Like at the, maybe like at certain points throughout the night, I kind of felt it. But it was better than I thought. Yeah, exactly. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I think the talent definitely stepped up and delivered, especially uh, these next three matches we go over. I think kind of do a good job of ending the night on a positive note um, to get whatever sour taste the fans might have in their mouth out of it. Because the next three matches were, uh, I think. The next match specifically, that's the one I think was the match of the night. I thought that was crazy <laughs> and a thousand times better than I ever thought it could. I thought it'd be good and interesting and fun and entertaining, but not that <laughs> as we will go over here. But I felt the difference too. But I think that's yeah, I, yeah, it. Was I just think overall like, LA is going to become Lucha territory and East Coast is going to be out for GCW their time. And like they're Chicago and like mids like out west or out east sorry is where they're going to do the ultra violence and out west is where they're going to kind of do the lucha stuff is what i feel like if they don't do glass out here that's going to leave a hole in california that's a big that's a big hole i'm not going to start mentioning who's out there that might fill that death match scene there's a lot of really no there's a lot of shit yeah, companies but there that company's card <laughs> Yeah, we saw Some that. Some of them like, don't oh, even have fuck. fucking rings. Uh, yeah. Like, hey, I'll 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 wrestle at your bar. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. You're not wrestling. You're pretending. Um, you need a ring to wrestle. Anyway. Uh yeah, no, no, no. I'm just I'm just trying to be like halfway through the show. I'm like, okay, I gotta just break down and say it. I didn't feel like this was an A caliber show for an A caliber city, especially when it's sold out. And don't give me five-sixths of a show. Give me the whole show. 
Give me a full three out. We sold the bitch out and we have people still pouring in. Give me something to talk about. And if there's an extra half hour there, better send Effie out again. I don't know. I but but I think about that. You didn't have two people that we could have put together somewhere. That's why I was like, oh. I was kind of thinking like Damn. With, with when they said the main event, I looked at the time, I'm like, I was is something exactly. gonna happen? Is this like, oh, Cardona's gonna come out and that's how they're gonna end the next like 15, 20 minutes of the show? Is something like uh-huh. storyline driven, which I would have been happy with and stuff, but like, yeah, I was kind of shocked when I saw or I was expecting to be honest with you, I was like, Oh shit, Nick Gage is gonna bust out a sixty minute classic here with the uh, Zack Saber, isn't he? And that's how they're gonna go viral with the show. <laughs> totally and totally NJPW style, you know, just surprise them with a fucking banger. That's what I was um, thinking of. But yeah, yeah once it like, ended, I was like, okay, that's it. And yeah, we got 30 minutes to go. Like, what are we going to do? Well, well, that's the thing. I, my money, my money was full price. I don't understand why my show was only five sixths of, of what it should be. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not being picky, but it's 70 to $80 is 70 to $80, bro. They're right. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm just saying there wasn't two guys back there that could have wrestled. Yeah, there, there wasn't. I mean, we were already see. That's the thing. We were already getting local guys. I mean, we were getting Kenny King and we're getting Santana Jackson. We're getting we were already getting a lot of local guys on the show. Actually, now that I think about it, um, I don't know. I just in my conscience, I just had to say it. I'm like, I don't feel like L.A. got an L.A. show. I feel like L.A. got a, a Huntsville, Alabama show, like, you know, quite a few locals and well, no, because even Huntsville gets glass. <laughs> Sorry, but it is what it is. Um, I just wish, like, cause to counteract just, the glass, like I said, the collective, when I saw Chris Brooks and they used the fucking, the, the plastic bins, the sound, the crowd reaction, yeah. and, like, the wrestlers selling it, you could tell, like, I don't know how dangerous those things are. I'm not saying fucking use 50 of those Ooh, every match, yeah. but yeah, I, I, there's, it's probably not done for a reason, but I thought that was a cool way to substitute for glass because it made the same thud, the same explosion. And like I said, the crowd reacted the same way. I thought maybe that was where they were going to go with this was using those kind of like plastic tubes, but uh, I guess that's just a new J- or uh japan thing out there because like, i heard they use that quite often out there so that's why i mean like i don't know i got to do more research and look up and see how much it is or how much they often or how often they actually use it out there but uh, if it's something that's being used out there quite often to substitute for glass i wouldn't mind seeing that being done as substitute out here for the for glass at ucc because even if it's just like one shot a night or two shots like you get the crowd like oh and but the loud, the sound and everything was just like glass. So I don't know. Maybe I don't. I don't know. That's a tough situation that they. I know Brett's always having to do with questions with that uh, glass and stuff. And I just there's no real answer. Well, that's hands because it bugs it bugs his paying customers. Yeah, really. The people who like deathmatch and glass shit on the West Coast don't get to see their favorite company do it. it sucks. I, I understand it. Like, okay, I get it. The UCC and this and that, but. You are still allowed to look for another venue to one that makes you're still allowed to look for better prices. Yeah. I'm just saying when when fans are getting on Patreon going, hey, how are we gonna be able to get, you know, the full GCW experience in LA? He's like, Well, we kinda can't. See, like, I don't know. I, I don't think it's the glass <laughs> of like a so, big old okay. deal breaker. Like if I get it, awesome. It's if not, not a deal breaker, cool, but it's just something that most people would pay for that they would get. Yeah. It's the level of danger and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? It's, um, yeah, 
I'm I'm more you saw when I built my roster. Like I'm so built for deathmatch <laughs> stuff. Like um, I'll take the top of the top deathmatch. I don't like uh, some of the other stuff. Like I've been seeing it some of these other places. It's like okay, like yeah. Uh, I don't know. So the other thing that uh, Brett was talking about, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but he was also saying that now a bundle of 30 tubes can go up to about $100, whereas he was paying right around $29.99 here two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, the prices have gone up, and, and that's a big deal. And then it, it really is a problem, though. It's not happening now, but in the next five to ten years. In ten years, we probably won't be seeing those types of tubes at all, let alone used, period they're going to have to get creative in other ways that the glass thing will be gone. Uh, he even said that a pane of glass, just getting a pane of glass is such a pain in the ass, but funny, <laughs> but, but I mean, just transporting it. Yeah. Trans transporting it. It's one thing to just put 30 tubes in the back of your car from home Depot. It's another to get a whole sheet of glass and then somehow get it transported and delivered. And so, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I just had to say in good conscience, I'm like, wait a minute, we're deep into the show. I just don't feel like we got an L.A. show and L.A. sold out. I mean, we did everything we could on our end, including coming to this motherfucker and raising the roof off it. Like, just noise was great. And, and yeah, or, I don't know. I'm sure there was a reason, but I really hope that isn't the case again. Like, two and a half hours. Like, shit, the show was only two hours and 28 minutes on, on the recording. So that means we, I'm just, <laughs> dude, I'm trying to say something, but I, I, it is disappointing. That portion was disappointing outside of a couple matches, saving this motherfucker. Uh, wow. Half the people I liked it. What I mean to say is half the people that I go to watch GCW for just weren't also there that night. So I'm just giving my honest opinions, you know, well, I need my Jordan, I need my Gringo. I need, need all these luchas and. <laughs> Well, like I was going to say, thinking? we could cover uh, what I think is going to be the best. What was the best match of the night right now, if you want to? Because like I, said, I thought this, this was, one? yeah, I thought to my mind, this was the best match of the night coming up right here. So it is the sixth matchup of the evening. Rina Yamasha against Maki right. Ito. I think you're right now. Like, I'm really thinking about this. These girls really put it down. It got crazier than I thought. I The crowd reaction was good. And I, I think both of them killed it. I. I enjoyed this match. Like it hit everything. It had its wrestling. Um, it had its comedy. It had it gets uh, it gets violence. It had um, good storytelling. Like I like Rina versus Maki was total polar opposites, but it kind of like for me it was just a struggle of like okay, Maki Rina's gonna have to not get crazy. Obviously, as crazy as she normally wants to because of the glass and, and stuff, and Maki would have to get crazier to beat. Rina, because what what's Rina now? I think we said 21 and 0, 22, 20 and 0, 21 and 0, yeah. She's, in yeah. In matches, and that's just such a crazy stat. Um, and Maki went crazy. Like, um, she <laughs> she drew blood. <laughs> she kind of did everything that we always say, like they're not gonna do with her because of the the Tokyo Japan, uh the wrestling that she has, the her other company, uh back in japan and stuff like that and to kind of save her save her face and all that stuff because that's a big part of her gimmick with the the american idol kind of thing singer and stuff like that the the i don't know i i she went crazy and uh i was a shock to me rena did a great job of being a heel in this matchup and playing that way to the crowd 
And I think this was just another good show for Rena to show how badass she is. But I thought it was very awesome to of Maki to put up that fight, still have her character and her character work and be all happy and smiley and still do the comedy spots while taking the ass whooping. And kind of like, I did get surprised at one point. I thought she did beat Rena. I was like, holy, well, obviously I think the whole place did with the count, but it was pretty, uh, pretty crazy seeing Maki just hold her own against Rena. I think three, that was the most shocking part. It was in ring with the violence. She held her own with Rena, uh, in this matchup. All right. So the arena is way over, but there's only one person that I know that's over more than Rena, and that's Maki. Rena was very welcome in the UCC. Fans love her. She's very colorful and gets over in a different way than anyone else. She has all these facial expressions, and she doesn't have to say a word. She doesn't need to. Fans don't need it either. She's just as perfect as she is. That's how I'm kind of seeing it. Maki is different. She's a little more interactive. Um, I'm going to say something here that no other wrestler does that I notice Maki does. And it really does mean a lot because I think it's a show of respect and thankfulness. But when she goes around the ring, at least to the people that are in the front row, she makes eye contact with every single person she passes. If you have a chance, check that out. She makes and locks eyes with every single person. And I, that matters to me. I'm into thankfulness and respect especially from people who are in advantageous levels that, you know, have nice things and they're in a good life. And, you know, people who are thankful or people who it, it really means something. And it could just be her upbringing. It could just be how she grew up. It could just be pure thankfulness. Either way, it really does mean something when someone looks at directly looks at you like, thank you. And then moves to the next person. That's pretty cool. I just wanted to mention that. Well, that's what Kota Ibushi um, did. And when he came out during his two matches at GCW and the collective, I, I yeah. felt the same way. And I think I said that on the podcast, like he like looked you in the eye, shook like each individual hand. Like it felt like a personal meet and greet during his entrance for every single person. It was, it was wow. cool. It was, like I said, it's different to see instead of just being looked over and looked at the rest of the crowd or who's next. Like it was cool. Or yeah, you're like slapping five, but he's running by and barely even yeah. recognizing looking in the ring as yeah. it's happening. Right. Right. And I get that. Yeah. Um, there were dueling Rena and Maki chants before the match had even started. When the match did start, Maki and Rena really opened up by mocking each other's actions. Rena was the heel. She was disrespectful of Maki and giving middle fingers to all the fans. She went underneath the ring and started whipping out chairs very, very early into the match. There was a nice spot where Rena covered Maki in chairs and then beat her with another chair. It had this nice loud sound when she hit her. Minutes later, she placed Maki's head in a chair and then swung another chair like a baseball bat and it popped her in the fucking head. And I'll tell you what, that was a pretty rough spot, dude. That, that was like, holy shit. Like, that was my first, like, Maki's gonna go crazy in this match. Like, she took that shot, which yeah. was a shock. And, and Rita swung that thing. That's why I, I think I told Rob, I think I told my wife, I was like, I wish Mira would have swung that. I saw you wreck that harder. Like, during that match, we were talking about the soft chair shots. Like, Rina's like, nope, there ain't no soft chair. Like, I think maybe that's what blew my mind was how hard she swung that at Maki. Cause that's something we talk about. Like, Maki's not gonna get cut. She's not gonna do the, the glass. She's not gonna do the. The the pizza yeah. cutters yeah, and all that stuff. No, if but, there's any cutting, it's going to be above the hairline for her. They like to cut. Well, see for my hair. <laughs> there, but, yeah, they. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> I could cry also. 
So, um, yeah, they'll sometimes cut her above the hairline, but never underneath, so she doesn't get her forehead all screwed up. But that shot, though, was brutal. Like, it was right on her head. It was, it was like, that's why I was like, this is going to be a good one. (laughs) Totally unexpected. All of it. Like, I didn't expect any of that brutality to be put down. I honestly thought this was Maki Ito just kicking the shit out of Rena, and then Rena would get, get blood, and then that'd be the match. But thank goodness it didn't happen. So, Rena runs outside. She starts going shopping under the ring and brings out a door. She ends up placing that in the corner. Maki got up in that time and delivered 10 punches to the head, followed by a top rope DDT. Rena rolls outside and Maki follows with another DDT onto the floor. She covered for two. It was a really fun sequence and we had MDK chance. So then Maki busted out the pizza cutter halfway through the match and started slicing open Rena's head, then paraded her around the ring. And I don't know if you heard it be, but we were over there. You could see me with my hands waving. I'm like, over, over here, here yeah. over here. I was just trying to bring the fucking fun this way as much as possible. Maki was bashing Rena's bloody face into the door and it left a huge nasty blood stain. Rena picks up Maki and ran her through the door. A ton of holy shit chants from the crowd. She ends up kicking out at one. That was perfect. Oh, it was Loved so it. good. Uh, Rena grabbed a chair and laid it down on the mat between both women. They decided to slam each other's head into the chair over and over. Maki picks up the chair and started beating herself with it because, of course, Rena didn't think Maki has that hard head. So Maki was then in control about 75% of the time up uh, so far within this match. She had a nasty face wash by Maki. It was so nasty, there was a slow-mo replay to show the impact. If you look at it, that face wash, she she connected with Rena pretty good on there. You get a chance, check that one out. It, it's where, I mean, she gets her pretty good on the side of the face. There's a chair there. Yeah. But the impact is a pretty good impact. So Scarlet counts the three at one point, but realized the shoulder was up. She immediately got off the mat and put the two fingers up in the air, and the fans let her hear it. I'd say good recovery from Scarlet because that's about the best you can do. You get right up, you look at the bellman, and you say, no, it's only two. So good job there. The performers didn't make much of it and just kept wrestling. So good job for them. In the end, though, Rena hit the Splash Mountain on Maki for the win. Our winner here, Rena Yamashita. Um, I was laughing at a time when we were still saying, hey, it's Yamashita. <laughs> I mean, I just thought about that. And like uh, Takashita, Takeshita. Uh... Well, it's funny. I watch. I'm like on my watch long. They. I just heard. Even Emil used to say Yamashita. Uh, no, Yamashita. Yamashita. He Yamashita. used to pronounce it wrong too the first couple of times. So like just hearing, uh, hearing that was pretty funny. How you said like Yamashita. Because I still sometimes will mess it up. It's not intentional. Um, but sometimes just uh, Yamashita comes out every every so often. I I love this match. I think it was. So I did not expect it to be the match of the night. I loved. Like I said, the storytelling, the facial reactions, the comedy spots, how it got. This was the probably the most violent match. First time we saw blood all night between these two competitors, which was kind of a shock. Between after Joey Janela, Soya Reka Basisos, um, and Maki just taking the ass whooping that was was awesome to see. It, like I think that's gonna go so much further for her character than like I think maybe like. I, I don't know. I just think that's going to push her with this MDK stuff to another level. And not, that was her first time showing she could take that bad of an ass whooping from our ultraviolet champion who was almost world champion a week or two prior. I think this could help elevate her and push her even further, which is kind of crazy to think about how much 
pop how popular she's gotten over the last few months as it is now she's good i think she's gonna be even more popular and rena just continues her badass streak and just continues to win continues to beat everyone up but also she's like an iron woman man with the like i was saying this during the tos like you couldn't tell she was in her third match of the night she goes match one match three in the same night the same pace and she just goes and goes and goes and it's so awesome to see like i don't know it's just so awesome to see rena this often in the states and having as many matches and incredible matches i think she's had um it's been fun to see and for maki to step up and get violent and crazy and take the damage she did i thought that was super cool to see as well i that's what made this match for me the match of the night you know the only thing that would have made this better was if that belt was on the line i don't think the belt was on the no line, it wasn't was it? no it was not why not what would have okay look it's like free tension just put the belt on the line what, what's it matter if she, she's gonna win anyway put the fucking belt on the line why I mean, are you gonna put a belt it. on the line ultraviolet Maki belt on the line when you can't do glass Oh my god! I don't know. That's just my. That was my thinking. Me, no, that's that's perfect. You you can't have an ultraviolet. I don't know. Like, but I also don't want to label like that. That be the one fucking difference between the extreme title and ultraviolet is one uses glass, one doesn't. Like, I don't want that to be the whole case and everything. But it sounds like when every time we talk about and we talk about with other fans, that is the one thing that separates the two and. And that's what popped in my mind when you said, why isn't it for the belt? I was like, it's in LA. They can't get ultraviolet. And that's not, isn't that sad? Yeah. That's after what we kind of just said, that doesn't really help out much either. I don't know. I don't sound good. It doesn't sound good either because it's like, there's a belt. We can't even defend out. Well, it can't defend with glass, but someone made a good statement on Patreon that says the same thing we did. They're like, why don't you just put the ultraviolet and the hardcore, you know, Put them together and just they're the same damn thing and then he said well joey lost the belt mm-hmm. so you know um hmm, I, I i'm kind of curious to see how that all goes down and that's i think another thing too that just popped my mind another reason this gcw show might have hurt in a lot of people's eyes is no titles on the line like no Not like these one. were just matches like i don't like that goes that's what i'm saying whole, dude. that goes away to my well, whole blackwood the, thing like they should have made where that was the triple Asia? threat a number one contenders match they should have this made this match like hey eliminator like i said i've been kind of liking this whole eliminator style like that's the only way you could justify someone two and 12 getting a title match is if they just beat the champion and hey now they've earned it they beat the champion go ahead go for it and it makes sense but like they do eliminated matches. Make it a number one contenders match. Say, hey, whoever wins this match gets this match next time. I don't like it. Didn't it? Didn't lead into anything. That's what this show felt like. It didn't. Wasn't leading towards anything. So something. Something. I mean, come on. Something had to have happened. A lot of talent may have just been booked out on accident. I don't know, but it is very awkward that we got this show because it is not an LA show. It is not an A town show. This was. Well, we sell out and we we actually on average sell more tickets than AC. That's straight out of Brett's mouth. Why aren't we getting look, I'm just maybe complaining because this was a down show. Or maybe I'm complaining because all the other shows I've been to were so awesome. But this show was okay. It really was okay. I mean, I really will agree with you, Yamashita and Ito. This was the match of the night. Like these ladies really, really fucking went at it. It was so much better than I expected it to be. And if you would have told me, okay, Maki and Rena for 18 minutes, I'm like, what? They just cut Rena for 12 minutes and walk around the ring and let her bleed? No, this is a real wrestling match. And Maki got the shit kicked out of her. And that was cool. That's that's what, you know what I mean? Like, you have to show your toughness in GCW. 
I think that might be Maki's longest match in GCW, just in general. Because like I'm trying to think of her matches, like they're normally like four or five minutes, six minute matches. Yeah, um, yeah. Setups um, for the Cardonas to come out, or Cardona and Delander. Cardander. Yeah, even their their collective match against Team Bussy was uh, sixteen minutes. So that that that's less than this. Uh, okay, Ransom. You had the three way of Maki Ito, Rena, and Venny. Going against Billy Stark, Shania Kai, and Sawyer Wreck. That went almost 19 minutes. But singles one-on-one. Like, I think in ring, that was the most we've seen. Obviously, not just time reason, but with the time reason. That was the most we've seen Amaki. And that was one thing I noticed. Too. I was like, man, I really wish. I, I was watching her. She did a couple moves where she bounced off the ropes. But just her speed, like, off the ropes and in. Like, the in-ring speed of hers. I was like, man, I wish we. I want to see her in a longer, like, 15-minute match. But just a straight, something her stylistic, like, like um like a normal one on one matchup against let's say Arena I don't know you got to bring the ultra violent uh, with it um I'm trying to think like, Ali Cash could probably put a match Lufisto uh Billy Star like that's a, like I know that was one of their her first matchups in GCW but I would like to see them have a 15 minute match now in GCW without any fuckery or any of that just a straight one on one match I think that would be fun to see well <laughs> Our last episode, I'm like, well, you know, the Maki match, it only needs a couple minutes. And then you made a good point where you said, well, you know, we need to make sure that Maki's opponent has time to shine also. And then, of course, this is how life works. The next show, Maki puts on a 17-minute banger with Rena and completely obliterates everything I just said about her having shorter matches you know, to deal with the gimmick and this, it's like she heard it and said, fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> and then, you know, went out there and just fucking did. That was my best Maki Ito. That's close to what she sounds like in from what I hear. But um, yeah, this match ended. Rena wanted a handshake and a bow, but instead Maki gives her the double middle fingers and rolls out of the ring. I took awesome close up video of that if anybody ever wants to find it on my page. Um, Way more match than I expected, and it was nice to see Maki uh, carry well into a longer match. And uh, the last thing I put was just very entertaining. Um, it should have been a title. It should have been a title defense because that would have just been so cool. Yeah, imagine that one count on a title. Yeah, exactly. It like the fans would be way more invested. Like, holy shit, Maki! You know, like even though on paper, like that doesn't like why would she be the ultra violent champion? But like with a match like this and like, Hey, Nick Gage has been training her. They're fucking king of ultra violence. Like you could have played a cool story into that as a surprise upset victory. And like, imagine if this was like, well, I don't think you could put that as the main event over Saber Nick Gage, but just imagine if like, yeah, a surprise happened on this yeah. card where Maki now becomes a GCW champion. I think that would be cool storytelling. What could have happened well, with that? <laughs> cool storytelling would have been to keep try to find a way to get Yamash to heal over and over and over. And then after Yamash to cheats for another win, then music hits and Rena comes out or then uh, Maki comes out for a challenge. Like there's so many cool ways to write this. It's just a matter of time. You made a good point, though. Without Glass, you really can't have a defense for that title. However, maybe that match should have been saved for a title defense. Yeah. Unless they're going to book it for something later, which is possible. Because, like, yeah, I don't know. It was um, good. It was damn good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Like I said, that was match of the night. Maki stepping up and Rena just being the badass she is. Um, yeah, that was Makito's longest match in GCW. Outside awesome. that triple or the three, the six-woman tag match. But, like I said, I, I watched that match. Like There was, like, a quick little segment. I saw Maki, you know, running the ropes and did, like, a move. I was like, 
I want to see her 15 minutes like against like Billy Starks or someone, just a straight traditional matchup like you could have and just let them both show out because like we haven't, she hasn't shown out much and this was what she did. And I like she didn't like it didn't look like she struggled at all with any of this. Like, uh, like, yeah, hey, don't put yeah. me, don't like hit me hard. Like she was fucking in there with the chairs, the doors. Like It was crazy. She just, he took all the damage, uh, which was nuts to see. And Rena was really safe with her. Just wanting to make sure I give a little bit to Rena too. I think she did a damn good job all around. And again, Rena's a favorite, but if there's one that'll get more cheers than her, it's going to be Maki. Very humbling on Rena's side to see what it's like to be on the on the boo end of <laughs> things instead of cheers. Well, she's always cheered. Yeah. GCW has been very kind to Rena. Yep. And they, she knows when to turn it off on and off. This was one of those ones. She turned it on as a heel and like her match against Casey. She realized that Casey was getting a lot of chance and hey, let's give her more chance and I'll take the bad guy heel, be a heel yep. here. But guess what? They're, I'm going to win. They're going to cheer me after. And so might as well get someone else over, not just me. That's what I've been loving about her run where it doesn't seem like it's doing anything on purpose. It's like all just for her, but like everyone that she's getting in the ring with is getting the rub too. I think that's been awesome. That yep. will lead. Oh, we sorry. did it. <laughs> no, 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 no. That will lead. I was just sitting here going, well, I was wrapping it up my, oh, myself okay. anyway. You're good, man. Go ahead. False, false start, guys. False start. 15 yard. No, five yard. Five penalty, right? say, yeah, we got XFL. Five yard penalty. Repeat down. <laughs> yeah, XFL. Yeah, 15 yard penalty turnover. <laughs> they 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 do it a little weird over there. I'm actually looking for, I'm hoping that they get, I know this isn't wrestling talk, but I'm a football fan. So I'm really hoping that that little company does take off into something. Yeah, it was, it was weird watching football after football season ended. But I was still, I watched a couple of the games from uh, on on ESPN Plus. <laughs> Did you ever watch any though. of the original shit? I I went to the original shit. I was there for night mm-hmm. one with He Hate Me and The Rock and Vince McMahon, and I was, was at was that. that wild. Oh, it was, wild, it was fun, and I had front like so they practiced on our football field in high school. They uh-huh. practiced on our field during the week, so um. They always gave us tickets. They gave the whole like all high school wow. football team. But like, like we just had it. We we got to show up, um, and they gave us like tickets. It's like front row, like right there, <laughs> on the on the gate and everything, and like oh, right by nice. the crowd. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like even like uh, they picked a couple uh, players uh, to be like on this on the sidelines, and like like my friend got picked one time, and they're just like playing catch in front of me, rubbing it in. I'm like, fuck you guys. <laughs> But yeah, those were fun, oh. fun. Those were the better XFL days than this one. This one's not near the same as the originals. <laughs> <laughs> the shit was wild, bro. It was fun. All right, back to wrestling as we have <laughs> Kenny King, K-I-N-G King, going against Effie. And this match was what we wanted. We wanted a traditional, not too much with the playing around in the games and stuff. They we got a little bit of it, but we're always going to get that with Effie. But I'm glad Effie turn, turned in a really great wrestling performance and Kenny King stood out and got to show GCW fans other than they probably already knew who he was anyway. But from uh, some new GCW fans that never heard Kenny King, got to see him and they put on a great match too. I thought this was a tough match to follow. And especially I know uh, we'll probably go over it, but what happened before the match even kind of threw uh hurt a little bit, <laughs> kind of threw everything off whack for that match. I think, because even both competitors, you can see were kind of uh, thrown off by it, but I'm glad that they, like, like I said, I, I was a tough act to follow. They did a great job of having a great matchup and told a great story. I enjoyed this match too. This was a tough match to not be 
up there with Match of the Night, but uh, I think they did a great job of uh, setting up or following that match and uh, setting up the main event as well. Oh, boy. So, Kenny King out first. One of the best out of Las Vegas, talented and very smart in the ring. One hell of a trainer. Now, Effie comes out the high praise from the fans. He's always very welcome with the GCW crowd. He brings the whole fucking show with him. He's dancing around. He's got the rainbow streamer that a fan threw. He's having a good time. So uh, finally, the match starts. Kenny and Effie are probably going to have a true wrestling match, and I love that. As with anyone with a strong gimmick like uh, Effie, they tend to rely on that gimmick to get them through their segment. Effie really doesn't do that, and those matches where he heavily shows his in-ring ability are truly my favorites. So I appreciate the fun side and the serious side. It's just, I love to watch, you know, a cook flip the burger, but I really love when the guy cooks the burger good. Oh, I really do like everything that Effie does, but at the same time, I'm still a big fan of fundamentals. I think it's because I'm getting old. It uh, seems like both men agreed to have a mature wrestling match, and I think Kenny is a good dancing partner for Effie. Similar size and build, both know how to read a crowd. I believe in this in this match, especially that's really important here. Um, they had to kind of get the match and the crowd back into it. Yeah. So, you know, they really work their asses off. And if there was two people that could read a crowd and get them back into it, of course, the fan favorite Effie and then having Kenny King out there to call whatever needs to be called. It's just a fantastic one two punch. Effie's take on the tarantula is interesting, and I think he should name it. Now, I didn't have a chance to go back in this note because I was going to try to name Effie's Tarantula. Maybe at some point I will, and then I'm going to message him with the move name, but I'm working on it. <laughs> it was enjoyable watching King have a little fun. He's usually a little more serious. Effie pulled that out of him. There were Effie chants as he fights out of the camel clutch. There was a nice spot where Effie went for the nipples, and then Kenny liked it, didn't even phase him. Then Effie bit him, bit him in the nipple, and it got his attention. Effie then with the full moon ass hanging out. He's fighting with his pants down. He's kind of showing his butt. It's funny. They do eventually get pulled back up at one point. Both men go for the, basically they go blow for blow. Kenny with the tiger driver. And then eventually because he can't close out the deal on Effie, he starts to get frustrated. He's losing his cool. This brings out Effie chance. Effie then gets up, hulks up, hits a sack rider. King reverses. King goes for the royal flush and Effie turns it into a cradle for three. One, two, three. Effie is our winner. Somehow he outsmarted a technician by reversing the royal flush nonetheless. Very, very interesting booking. What did you think, man? I love this match. I, I really did. I, right? I watched it, I'm watching it back now because like that's uh they they had some good spots, but good wrestling, like you said, like you said great wrestling. I loved how when it was time to have fun, I, I think they used that to get the crowd back into it because that's what, like, F, that's Effie. Like, he's going to do this stuff. Like, I don't hate it and stuff, but sometimes when the whole match is revolved around that and it just mm -hmm. kind of takes away from it, that's when I don't appreciate it and uh, like it as much. But during this match, whenever they did do it, as you said, I think they used it to get the crowd back into it. And I thought they did a good job. Like I said, I, this was... <laughs> Tough match after that happened, after following following Rena versus Maki, and then now setting the stage for the main event. I felt kind of bad. I would like to see this kind of <laughs> somehow, some way be ran back together, maybe even team with Kenny King and Effie up as a team. I thought they worked very well together. The whole chemistry, the match flow, and I I think 
as for entertainment purposes, this was probably one of the more entertaining matches with Jimmy Lloyd and uh, Santana. But I really liked how they, as you said, the time to get dirty. They did great wrestling, great striking, and they told a great story while also having fun in the ring. And I, I want to see Kenny King back and get uh, under a better situation than this match kind of started for him. But Effie and the, and Kenny King did a great job. Uh, getting it back on track and having a great match. And I'm shocked Effie got the win. I'm glad he did. I'm glad GCW got the win because usually when these bigger names come over, uh, we kind of expect a loss. This one didn't caught me off guard. I expected Kenny King to win. Um, I don't think he's still employed by Impact Wrestling. I think he just is now free agent. So maybe that's why it was maybe a little bit easier for him to, for Effie to pick up the win because they didn't have to go through TNA's politics or Impact's politics. But um, Effie getting the win was cool for me. And like, I want to see Effie in the title scene somehow, somewhere. I think him and I think they do have a match coming up. I'm not 100% sure, but I do think Effie deserves to be up there with all these performances he's had as of late to be uh, challenging Blake for the title. You know, I'm with you. Um, we talked about this before. He doesn't need the title to be himself and to get over, but it doesn't hurt to let the fan favorite get a shot every now and then. Yep. So I think I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one. That's a good point. Uh, I wrote down here that Effie used a mix of horniness and talent to defeat King. They end up shaking hands. Both men got an ovation from the crowd. I was entertained. Um, I also noticed that, yeah, the crowd was hot the whole show. I don't know if anybody knows here too much, but I'm not really saying the cheers that were coming on. (laughs) There wasn't many. The crowd was just plain fucking loud. Like, there wasn't anybody leading many cheers, so I didn't have a lot to write down. And if you listen, there aren't a lot of cheers. It's just plain fucking loud. I, I was I was trying to start and, and say, you know, whenever they, they do uh, Effie's nipples and they twist it and everyone chants like, Daddy likes it. Well, when yeah. he was doing Kenny's and Kenny's like, and? Like, I, would, I was screaming like, Kenny likes it, but no one else would pop on until I stopped. Well, we did have a suck that dick chant. Nah. It never really, it never really <laughs> picked up like we hoped it would have. Not the dick, the chant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, all that craziness will lead us into our main event of the evening as Zach Saber Jr. goes one on one with Nick Gage. Like I said before, I did not know what this would turn into if if Nick would have to. Get a little old school and roll around the ring with Zack Sabre or if Zack would get a little crazy. But we got a mixture of both. And I'm going to bring up one thing. I know I might be spoiling it here. Um, No, I'm going to make a note of it and bring it up and I'll cut you off when that time comes because I don't want to spoil anything with your notes. Nah, come on, man. It's okay. It's okay. Well, okay. Well, you're you're allowed to break all the rules. That's not my show. Um, You know, when they bring out the tax and like, Someone brought up a great point. It's like, that's not just Nick's giving up and saying he has to resort to this violence. It's smart. He just took away and made it miserable for Zack Sabre to roll around on the yes. ground and do all that wrestling in the thumbtacks. I was like, fuck, I did. I didn't. It went yes. over my head. I was like, oh, he had to get dirty. And that's how he had to win. But I'm like, no, that was a like great plan. And like, Nick's not going to want to roll around in the, in the thumbtacks with me. Or not, Nick. Uh, Zach's not yeah. going to want to roll. So yep. let me just set the tone there. And I thought that, that was such a cool little detail. But whoever tweeted that out, like, said it perfectly. And I was like, I'm a fucking idiot. I didn't catch that. But I thought that was a cool little detail throughout this match. Yeah, it was one of those things where he's like, okay, you got ground game. I'm just going to set the ground on fire. 
That's yeah. That's cool. I, I just like I said, I went to no Nick has to get desperate. But I'm like, ah oh, shit, nope. Mike, uh, Nick uses uses brains there. Yeah. So my first note here, I wanted to kind of put in here was that I was very curious as to how this match will develop and evolve. I was unsure if it was a saber match or a gauge match. Um, a guy in the crowd had a killer Union Jack ZSG or the ZSJ jacket. I don't know if you saw that or not. He's rings. He's on another side of the ringside front row. Awesome jacket, though. It's really cool. The red, white and blue British. So uh, I was laughing. There was some guy in the crowd that he was really riding this until it died. He kept yelling to Zach, fuck your blonde hair over and over. <laughs> was that the guy to your right in the front row? Like not in oh, your I, row, but oh, I don't know. If I, I honestly. Oh, well. Okay, that guy was one that I, I honestly had my pick early. He was going to get tossed out because <laughs> he was just, he ended up being completely harmless, luckily. Um, but he was definitely cracking up a lot of us in our little section over there because some of the shit he would say would just, it's like you cranked up a 10-year-old and you gave him an ab- adult's body and some of the shit he came out with that was just, it was funny. Um <laughs> Nick comes out of the curtain and gets absolutely swarmed. I'm going to mention the asshole guy who got kicked out for removing the bandana from Gage's head. Fans all agree online, except for maybe a couple friends of his. He is not one of us. He does not want to participate and get along like the rest of us. Not only that, but he wants to be special. This was the same dude that got kicked by Garcia and pissed off Fatu. Security handled most of the entrance much, much better. Um, We weren't pushed. We weren't uncomfortable. Everybody got their small moment with him. And outside of, I think, one guy for a small amount of time, everybody stayed in their sections. We we went up to that ring and we started pounding that ring as quick as we could. We are trying to keep the noise going. Uh, We had a lot of Zach's going to kill you chants coming from the fans njpw and zach travels well obviously the match had attention early that was felt in the chance we had a lot of mdk chance moments later it was a lot of back and forth really because we had zach's fans over there saying shit gcw fans are saying shit to zach's fans emil starts announcing and gage grabs the mic and asks where's my fucking gang at and of course the place went nuts because we just hadn't heard that yet So on Zach's entrance, he gets heavy cheers. Dude comes off very professional. Also, he is a very, very, very nice guy. I'm a talker. He genuinely talks with you and he cares enough to share himself. He never asked for a dollar. And just when I thought, okay, he's done, he starts an additional conversation. Like he is happy to talk with you. And I really like that a lot. And he took pictures. He did everything. I mean, if you're in a line with Saber, you'd be prepared to wait for a while. But when it comes your turn, it's going to be a genuinely pleasant experience. And you're going to be happy you had that conversation with him. So I recommend people that if they want to, please go out there and talk to him. He is a regular fucking guy, like just a regular nice guy. I wanted to mention that for sure. Um, Gage was hype. And in some type of a rare form, looking at him close up, he was fucking pumped up. I could see it. Uh, Emil's calling the main event with Dave Prezak. What an awesome fucking team for this main event. I don't know how attaining Zach came about, but I'm very happy. I got to see him live twice. Yes, that was, Starts that's out a cool with thing. 
Yeah, you've seen him twice too, right? Yeah. Three? Two? Uh, Two. twice. No, well, if you count uh, AEW shows, I guess a couple more times, but well, <laughs> that was far that's... away. Those don't count. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't count. That's that mainstream shit. Yeah. It uh, starts out with technical work back and forth, a few ego issues between both men. The fight went outside early and they brawled amongst the crowd. Gage threw a chair in the ring and Zach threw it out of the ring. Gage then throws awesome. in another one and Zach threw that next one out. Gage grabs a door and Zach couldn't get it uh, couldn't get it out in time. The door ended up being propped in the ring corner. Um, that was actually really funny. It was just a cute little thing where he'd kind of have this childish little smile and yep. drop the drop the chair right back out. It, oh, you wanted this, Nikki? Bye bye. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was a cute little spot. Um, Zach had Gage scouted very well. This felt like Zach's territory, honestly, just the way the fans were. He seemed more comfortable than Gage. Gage's answer was adding weapons. He said he wanted to fight Saber Gage style. Zach eventually gets put through the door in the corner. Gage then brings in a bag with thumbtacks in it. Fans really get loud. He placed them all over the ring, not just in like some little pile or a little spot. They are all over. I'd say about 40% of the ring at some point just completely gets covered in thumbtacks. I'm honestly happy for Savior for christening uh, for Saber for christening himself into GCW this way. It's only it's like it's one of the only ways to gain GCW fan respect. So I'm really happy that he went out there and did this. And of course, he obviously accepted to do this on his own. And if you think about it, when they're planning this match, he's sitting back there going, you know what? This is GCW, man. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to put myself in the tax in the tax for everyone. Like, and that's what Cardona did to get himself over with GCW fans. I mean, like night one taking light tubes. Yeah. From like that guy, like Zack Sabre, I didn't expect the thumbtacks or any of that stuff, but once I saw it and him rolling out there, I, I think I told my wife like 10 times, like, that's so cool that he's like wrestling Nick Gage's style. Like you can tell he right. enjoys, he appreciates GCW. He's going to adapt his, like this match is going to be a GCW kind of style and he's going to change it up because it looks like, I don't know if it looks fun or whatnot, but he's like, Hey, this is what the crowd wants. And I think that was so cool of him too. Like a way to kind of endear himself to the GCW fans. Yeah, man. He's like, this is GCW. I got to do something. He's like, let's get the fucking thumbtacks out, right. bro. So, uh, yeah, Gage got his hand stomped into the tacks. Both men rolled into him. Zach's back had tacks in him. Adam Galt was counting shoulders with tacks on the mat. Gage DDT'd Zach into the tacks, picked him up, and then a spine buster into the tacks. Zach looked stunned. So then um, Gage set up six chairs in the middle of the ring, all of them touching each other. Nick then grabbed Zach, got on top of the chairs, and pile-drived him, well, I'd say through the chairs, but they all didn't bend. It was more like they kind of fell apart. It was really a rough landing. Zach looked out of it for a small uh, moment of time there. So then Gage gets the choke breaker for two. He turns it into a crossface. Both men are trading pins for two. Both stand up and then eventually start trading punches. They uh, booked a very even match with both showing off their own unique abilities. So at the end here, Zach had Gage's ankle. Adam asks if he want to give up, and he gives Adam the middle finger. Zach turns it into a cradle, and he gets the three. Our winner here, Zach Sabre Jr., and is that our second cradle of the night for a win? Maybe I'm wrong here. I swore someone, uh, uh, who was it that just reversed into a cradle? Oh Damn it, now gosh, I can't I think. We, it was one of the ones we just reviewed. Um, oh my goodness. Someone reversed it into a cradle. Oh my gosh. God. I'm getting there. That's I'm okay. getting it's there. Getting late. 
uh, Kevin Knight and Alec Price. There you go. There you go. Yeah, that thing got... Uh, God, look at you. Oh, look at Cage Match. Um. <laughs> no. Yeah, so what do you think about this one, brother? I loved it. I thought this was a great main event. Um, it was really... It surprised me just because Zach getting um, the tax. When it was serious and they were kind of rolling around before all the fuckery came in, Nick Gage, I think, like, did a really awesome job the first couple minutes. I thought was awesome with showing off like, hey, you ain't fancy. I could do the same shit you're rolling around here doing. Like, I thought that was like a middle finger towards me kind of thing. Like, I don't know if I misspoke or when I like, I feel like I did. Like, I know Nick Gage could wrestle. <laughs> like, I'd seen him back. Absolutely. Like, like actually wrestle without any fuckery. And like, this was when he was in really good shape and stuff. Like, I just don't think that he, I didn't think at this point in his career, he could hold his own against Zack Sabre Jr. And okay, I said that and he proved me wrong. I take that back. He fucking held his own there. And as you said, he did the same with Leo Rush. He did the same Mm -hmm. with Speedball. So I I just thought with the technical grappling, like I thought Zack Sabre would be kind of in a class of his own and he is, but Gage was right there knocking at the door and showed that he still has it, still never lost and could do that when called upon and i'm glad he did that to shut me up because i think maybe i did mis- <laughs> I, I felt like maybe i misspoke and afterwards and said it but uh i'm glad he did show off great match and like he's like it's just awesome think about these last couple match no not these last couple but since gage has kind of been back we had leo rush speedball uh zach saber jr um just like those those names, like all incredible names and he, like not typical GCW style of hardcore vulture violence. And he's had incredible matches with every single one of them. And I think that's just a testament of like how well he's gotten himself back into wrestling shape. And like he could still go. I don't see. I'm not going to still. I'm not going to say like, oh, he needs to be an announcer. He's, he's going. He could still go. I think the announcer's weighed at 198 or 196. I was like, that's the first time he's been like under 200 in a while. I know, yeah. I know it's whatever they're saying, but I like because like sometimes yeah. I acknowledge it. Like there's like I think Suzuki is like two hundred and like five or seven pounds, and he's like, eh, calm down now. I don't know, uh-huh, a little too high. Uh-huh. Like he plays into it, so I really enjoy how he's gotten himself back into shape, having great matches, and is killing it now. And this one was another one. And Zack Saber, like I said, I him taking the thumbtacks, the doors, and the fuckery, and still having an incredible match was awesome. And I thought that was I, I just look at it as a good thing for GCW. Like I trust Nick Gage, I trust GCW. New Japan tr- gave him that trust to do that shit too. Like I, uh-huh. you're not going to see Tony Khan. You couldn't even see Tony Khan have uh, John Moxley rolling around and shit. But you got Zack Saber rolling around in tacks and stuff uh, as champions uh, for his promotion. So I just think that was cool of seeing how much trust gcw nick age has with other companies and top performers around the world and they want to come out of their way to go to gcw and wrestle like zach saber kenny king like i just think that was cool on this night to see those two go out of their ways to make sure that gcw had a good show and perform for them and i think these last three matches kind of not helped save the night but made it way more enjoyable for me and kind of encapsulated what a typical GCW show is with the fuckery, the great wrestling, the storytelling that they had just in the matches, even though nothing was furthered on in any other stuff. But like throughout the matches, they the great struggles of the back and forth to get their advantages and stuff I thought was great. And I think, like I said, those three last few matches saved it for me. Okay, so I'm just going to kind of put it out there because we're deep in the show just for fun. Maybe quote me one day. Something tells me there may be a secret Nick Gage championship run. Uh, 
Maybe just another little secret one we don't. He's in better shape than he's ever been. Yeah, he's, he's in better shape than he was for his championship run. Yeah, I agree on that one for sure. I and wouldn't like, be against some asshole like Blake running the place for months until people are so fucking sick of it that he comes out of the work at woodwork and goes, nope, Papa's sick of this shit. Time for you to come home. Go no, from there. But, but then even have Matt Cardona come out. Even if it's like for one night and next night see, Matt Cardona comes out and roins the party and then that's a, like, I hate to say transitional champion, but boom, that's how you could keep the heel heat that Christian has. Nick Gage gets the pop and gets to be champion one more time and gets the crowds all happy. And then next night, fucking the ruiner comes in and ruins it all, Cardona. And we still got a hot Nick Gage and now even hotter Cardona with the hot Blake Christian as a character with story and momentum. I I I wouldn't mind seeing Nick Gage as champion. It. No, not at all. If you ask me, uh, uh, what back in October, I was saying, eh, that Moxie match, I was even saying, eh, and then. Nope, Nick Cage once again puts fucking puts me in my place and tells me to shut up. I was I got hurt that night. I wasn't over like I wasn't nothing bad. I got hurt. That's why that match didn't live up to your expectations. Here's what it looks like when I'm not hurt against Leo Rush and fucking incredible. You don't think I can mm. roll with Zack Saber? Fuck you. Here goes the first five minutes. Watch this shit. Like I think it's cool and it's awesome seeing this side of Nick Cage. Like I said, I think I missed out on Prime Prime Nick Cage. Uh, yeah. Back in the in the days, like early GCW, when I, I I didn't start watching it back then, but going back and watching Prime Nick Gage has been kind of awesome to see. And this is uh-huh. slowly <laughs> this Gage that we're seeing in GCW slowly kind of throwing back the clock and turning into that old Nick Gage. Uh-huh. It's cool to see. Like every match, I'm like, nope, I eat my words. I like I legit eat my words every Nick Gage match. I it it goes above and beyond anything I expected from that match to be. And this was another case of it. And I think that it wasn't just him in this match. It was also Zack Sabre Jr. helped out a lot in this match as well. But Nick Gage showing his technical prowess and being able to keep up and keep a good pace with Zack Sabre, not look like a complete fool on the ground, which I kind of thought would happen, but not completely like a fool. Uh, it was good. I enjoyed this, and I thought this was a great way to end it. And the speech that Zack Sabre, the quick little speech too, was kind of cool, saying like, hey, uh, I don't see that in your notes. Am I going to go over it? Okay, I'll nope, go over nope, it real nope. fast. Like, I have him just saying like, hey, I, I'm a wrestling fan. I grew up watching nick gage on zzw tapes as a kid and i always thought that'd be one motherfucker i want to get in there with and i'm glad to say i was able to do that and it was a pleasure working with you like that's so cool like i don't know i just Mm -hmm. think it's cool when people that don't really fit the gcw look attitude feel wrestling style praise gcw for what they're doing i think that's such a cool thing yeah i think it's kind of like a big deal now that a lot of the wrestlers they want to come over here and wrestle for gcw just for one night just to get the feeling that they can't get from the fans in their own company will osprey was like the giant one for me i'm like holy shit like he's coming out here to have a match with nick wayne and prop and the fet like what yeah (laughs) what is going on here but his speech afterwards was so cool and like it explained everything and now i i just see every wrestler kind of giving that will osprey she's like hey i heard you fucking fans were crazy but I didn't think you guys were fucking like this. You guys are out of control, that kind of thing. And that's just a cool yeah. feeling as being a part of one of those fans. So, yeah, this match went places I didn't expect a Sabre match to go, but it is GCW. After this, some fans were booing Sabre, but that was just because of the storyline aspect of it. Most of us were just thankful for what we've seen. Um, I also feel thankful to see a matchup that I didn't know I wanted. I had no idea I wanted this. And mm-hmm. after I was done, I was just, yeah, it's like 
somebody said you got to try this fucking new sandwich and i'm like i don't want to try this shit and it ends up being your favorite sandwich yeah that's, that's how, how i ended up with the bobby at capriotti's bro oh i've right been ta- talking to my father-in-law about that i was like i usually have it right around thanksgiving time but i've been telling uh-huh. him how that's like the biggest the uh, best sandwich there uh and that's like kind of what they're most known for and stuff he hasn't tried it yet but I find myself Philly the same way. And Bobby, I get, nah, I get like. Sorry, everything. man, we're talking now. Well, we get Capriotis uh, quite often because. <laughs> anyway, um, it's expensive though, dude. Like expensive. Yeah, it gets, it's getting up there. I I found myself in GCW <laughs> liking the matches I didn't think I would like a lot more than I ever thought. Like, and I just go off of stylistically. Like, why would you put those two? Like, at this right. point, I'm like, okay, go for it. I'm willing to see what's happening. I don't. Like, I don't have any expectations because I don't want to say it's going to be bad because every time I've said that, it's been blown out of the water. And even when I get one with no expectations, it still exceeds anything that I ever thought could happen. Like, and I, I enjoy all these random ass stylistic clashes of matches that we've been getting because it turns out shit like this. And Zaber, uh, Zaber, Zach Zaber Jr. versus Nick Gage <laughs> killed it. And I enjoyed it. I say it too. I say it too, dude. Zaber. Zaber, yeah. Every now and then, <laughs> well, I've, I think already, it's just, I've yeah, done Joyer, <laughs> Joner. What I say, <laughs> Joyer. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Joyer, Joyer wreck. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, I, I had no idea I wanted this one. I'm like, what in the hell is this going to be? And it was way better than expected. For I don't know what it is. I I feel like I'm guilty of this, but I don't think Gage is going to do as well as he does, and then his matches turn out being awesome every single time too it's not like oh what a shitty gauge match we don't really have shitty gauge matches yeah even when there's no fuckery really involved it's not <laughs> yep it's been fun and surprising like even if it's a, like a door okay and like the chairs like that's not too crazy but um i i enjoyed it and nick gauge keeps on shutting me up and uh surprising me and i'm all happy to be wrong if it gets this nick gauge back i'll be wrong every single day and enjoy mm-hmm. the work We'll start uh, making more shitty predictions. He's gonna <laughs> beat them all, you know. Right. All right. right. Memorable moments. You want to go first? Sure. Um, just being in the UCC live, the wild aspect of it, the wrestlers that are walking around, the fans that are entertaining to watch, little bit of tussles here and there, it gives it that wild punk atmosphere that I think the GCW, uh, the GCW fans want to kind of put across. We're passionate about what we do. Some are just a touch too passionate sometimes, and we get that, but yeah, <laughs> please don't. It's just being respectful. So that was the first thing. Number two, the fans. The fans were on fire. Brett made sure he mentioned it damn near the first time he had a chance to get back on Twitter. Uh, that was just an amazing show from the fans' perspective. Again, it wasn't even the chance. It was just we were straight fucking loud the whole time. It was beautiful. Many familiar faces came up to say hi, or I had a chance to come up to see them. It's always nice. Like now it's like just checking in with friends every couple months. It's really kind of cool to do. The first two matches being real wrestling matches was kind of fun. I'm a big fan of Cole and Alec. I felt like Alec had more of a career defining match there in front of him with Kevin Knight. Emil being tied in Spanish for the first time ever was enjoyable. And me being able to ride his ass at ringside was even more fun. The Los Macisos, Janela, Sawyer, potential long-term tag team um, is out there. I'm really looking forward to it. For right now, I don't see anything going wrong with it, and I think they both found a little something between Janela and Sawyer. So, fingers crossed that continues. The Santana Jackson pop 
uh, one of, if not the loudest pop of the night. Fantastic if spread out in proper doses. I say this again only because you don't want to you don't want to ruin the magic. You know what I mean? Um, I'm also a big fan of Cartwheel and Titus. Would have loved to have seen a one on one. I hope that they run that back sometime again. Blackwood, best of luck getting back into Buffalo. The security handling business was just a memorable moment only because it makes us feel safe and it looks like they have their shit together. The Effie Kenny King match being more than I thought I'd get in the wrestling category, a great lead up to the main event. And then lastly, Gage and Sabre being everything I couldn't have expected and didn't know I wanted. So that is where I leave it here. I had a lot of memorable stuff and I think part of it was just because chilling. Yeah. Being there too. Chilling. Being there to get seen a lot too uh, was uh, is always memorable. That UCC Center. Uh, my memorable moments. I'll just go kind of match by match. Is cool seeing Starboy and uh, Cole. I think those two need uh, needed a victory, and having them kind of go at it to get back get the momentum back on their side was awesome. And we got to see some new tricks and moves from Cole Radrick. Um, seeing Kevin Knight in GCW, like I said, he looked like he belonged. He was awesome. He looked like a star and had a great match with Alec Price. I would have. Wish it would have gone on a little bit longer just to see a little bit more of Alex Price and showcase him. But uh, the 10 minutes was action-packed and high-flying as uh, as it was anyway. Uh, the team of Joyer Wreck, Joey Janelle, <laughs> Joyer Wreck, uh, beating uh, Los Macisos was, that was a fun match. A perfectly uh, placed match to get the fuckery going, get the crowd going. Um, I don't know what's going on with Los Macisos picking up all these L's here. I'm kind of hoping it maybe leads to a turn or a uh, matchup at some NGI or some tournament or some sort of death match. I want to see some fuckery between something. Yes. Something. Uh, yes. As you said, Santana Jackson's pop of the night over Jimmy Lloyd. Um, I, yeah, I couldn't, I wouldn't have predicted that at all, but it was so awesome seeing and cool to see um, him get that love from the UCC crowd. Jack Cartwell picking up the surprising victory in my eyes, beating Kevin Blackwood and Titus Alexander. Like I said, if you want to make some sense booking wise, you just were going to have Blackwood challenge for the title. He lost this match. He shouldn't be uh, anywhere near that title scene right now. And since Jack Cartwheel did pick up the victory, I suggest we give it to him in the near future. I think him and Blake Christian would have a pretty cool match that could tell stories um, in that title defense. Uh, next up is Rena Maki. Match of the night. That was crazy. Rena just being the tough. Tough woman that she is, and Maki stepping up and taking a lot of that punishment while delivering a fun 17-minute match. Um, I as awesome. I want to see more of that from Maki uh, moving forward as well. Effie versus Kenny King. As you said, I'm glad they got the pure wrestling involved. That was good. Uh, good good ring. And like I said, Effie picking up the win was surprising. Um, I'm glad he did pick up the win over Kenny King. We need to see a local pick up a victory. Or not a local, a Regular pick up the victory every once in a while. And the main event was a shocker to us all as Zack Sabre went and rolled around in tax to defeat Nick Gage, who kept up with Zack Sabre's in-ring ability and had a fantastic main event in the UCC Center. Yeah. There's some crazy uh, upcoming shit. Do you want to just... I can kind of roll through it real quick if you want to. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, here we go. So, on the uh, 23rd... I believe that's a Friday. Let me double check that real quick. I believe it's a Friday. No, yeah, Friday, Saturday, Sunday is this week. Yeah, we have Friday, Saturday, and Sunday shows. So Friday, this is going from Chicago, Illinois. We have GCW's Ride or Die. 
This match has a tag team, Alec Price and Cole Radrick versus the Bang Bros. We have a singles match, Commander versus Jordan Oliver. Another singles, Arez versus Cartwheel. Uh, a six-man tag team, Los Macisos and Rina Yamashita versus SGC and John Wayne Murdoch. Where are these fucking matches in L.A.? Uh, the tag team, Joey Janela and Sawyer Wreck versus Bussy. Singles match, Lufisto versus Steph Delander. Another singles, Metalik, Metalik versus El Hio Del Vikingo. GCW World title match, Blake Christian versus Gringo. Jeez, dude. <laughs> Why isn't this the LA show? Commander versus Jordan Oliver. Arez versus, um, man. This is what I'm talking about. Then when you read a real card, you're like, wow. Okay, so that's Friday night. Saturday night, we have GCW Mastermind. This is coming out of Huntsville, Alabama from the Von Braun Center. So far, we have listed uh, Jimmy Lloyd and Los Macisos versus Jordan Oliver, Mike Jackson, and Nick Gage. Cole Redrick versus Hunter Drake. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, we I should, know, right? Let's go over right? the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll pull, it up that, that I'll pull it up while you do this. Oh my gosh, it's killer. Uh, Tank versus Joey Janela. Uh, John Wayne Murdoch versus Sawyer Wreck. Killer. Rina Yamashita versus Effie. That's an interesting little matchup. And then we have for the world title, Blake Christian versus Adam Priest. No idea on that name. You're still I, got the, I got the letters. I, I don't have what it means yet. Um, oh yeah, it was it was crazy. Okay, like here we go. I got attention. it. Here we go. Alright, that team of Jordan Oliver, Nick Gage, and Mike Jackson going against Los Macisos and Jimbo Lloyd over there. It is Y-M-A-S-A-I-W-A-P-D-K. Young, middle-aged, senior, average IQ with a pension death kill gang. <laughs> I loved it. I loved that when I when I first saw it, I saw the letters like, what the fuck is this? And then I saw it at the bottom. Right, right. I was like, oh my god, that's the great, greatest thing ever. Wow. I loved it. Yeah, those cards are crazy. That Chicago card, I'm really looking forward to Friday night. Uh, Italian Hall, too, of all the places. I think Dude. that's going to be crazy night. Friday night. Well, that's the thing. Actually, that's uh, that's in a couple of days. Dude, we don't work that day. That's something worth talking about. Um, okay, then on to our Sunday show. We have GCW versus New South 2. This is coming from Florence, Alabama at the Singing River Brewery Company Arena. Uh, the first match announced here is Starboy Charlie versus Tyler Franks. We have a tag team, John Wayne Murdoch and Los Macisos versus Akuto Death Society. That's Chris Crunk and Kevin Ryan and Braden Toon. We have another singles match, Alec Price versus Hunter Drake. Also, we have Dylan McQueen versus Effie. That I want to see. I'm going to just mention it because I've mentioned it before. Dylan McQueen and Effie need to tag team. Yeah, that's they a match very we, said we wanted to similar. see for a while. They have a vibe. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the blonde hair. Unsure. We have then a tag team match. We have Rena Yamashita and Sawyer Rec versus Kenji, Kenzie Page and Kylie Alexa. And then our GCW World title match will be Blake Christian versus Brandon Williams. This is going to be a crazy, crazy weekend. I'm with you. That Friday show out of Chicago is going to be so crazy. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. I didn't realize how good it was until you just said that card. I was like, oh, I knew like two matches on it, like off the top yeah. of my head. But then seeing the rest of the card, I was like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. I just, after I read down that card and I'm thinking about the one we just reviewed and I'm like, oh, I wanted to cry. <laughs> I love our show, but I, oh my God, that Chicago show. Yeah, that, wow. that's, that's a blockbuster. Cool. Yeah, that's like one of those like, all-star ones like oh no let me go down on that again hey uh, price and yeah. cole against bang bros that's gonna oh yeah yeah well, this they, has, they all know each other this like has hitters all friends over. with bang bros 
I'm hoping Lufisto and Steph Delander gets at least 10 minutes and it's like 10 minutes of actual ring time to see like Steph Delander actually wrestle. But they might just yeah. not do it and fuck around with innkeeper looking strong and not do it. But I would like to see the kind of like what we see on Maki versus Rena. I want to see what how much Steph Delander's improved since her NXT days in wrestling because we haven't really seen too much of it other than what a match with Masha, I think. And that was kind of thrown together last minute and kind that, of thing. Yeah, actually, I don't know, man. They've been kind of hiding the they've been hiding her wrestling. I want to see her come out and do some more because yeah. I, I know she can. Yep, I, I'm the same way right there. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. That's one card uh, that will be fun to discuss. And so that leaves three shows this weekend. Oh, uh, that's, that's nine hours times three. And Holy mackerel. What was the next show? Uh, 25th. Then the next show is, okay, not till Backyard Wrestling. So at least we'll have time. We'll have about a week and a half to do. Oh, shit. Uh, three shows. Three shows. We'll figure it out. Well, got that gets three show. Well, I mean, we're we're trying to get to uh, a certain amount of listeners too by the end of our one year. So that through those three shows should help us. Yes, and I'm hoping by Fourth of July shows that uh, maybe I'll have uh, the graphics ready for us to go to video. That'd be fun. That would be very cool, and you know, it'll be perfect and it'll be imperfect like everything. It'll be great. Yes. All righty. That was GCW's. Oh. Thank me later. You're welcome. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yes, we uh, did it. You ready to send them on out of here? Oh, right. uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Long. Long. Oh, fuck. Fuck. Live. G. C. W. W. See ya.